watch him closely. What's the secret, Meg? You just gotta find something you love to do and then do it for the rest of your life. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. Hello and welcome to The Establishing Shot, a podcast where we do deep dives into directors and their filmographies. And uh, we are starting up our Christopher Nolan series. Today we are covering the first movie in the series, Christopher Nolan's debut feature film, Following. And uh, yeah, last week we did um, kind of a Christopher Nolan overview looking at um, some of his uh, just bio, his um, some of his overarching themes and techniques. And so, uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to that. Um, it'll be a great kind of intro to the series. And yeah, I'm excited uh, to have Hayden Fobb back on um, today. Three Pete, uh, you're the second now Three Pete guest. Last wow. week we had, had JP on. For the first first ever three Pete guest, so you oh, just oh, missed out on one week. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm happy being... to be second. You know, as they yeah. say, first is the worst, second is the best. Now the oh, bar yeah. is set low for me because I'm not the yeah. first. They do, they do, in fact, say that. I remember they, a couple of I them remember. do. Yeah, perhaps not they all do. of them. Yeah, but they, <laughs> whoever they are, they do say it. Um. I mean, I've definitely said it before, and you just said it. So, so maybe we are they. That uh, sounds like a anyways. title of a really sick sci-fi movie. We are we they. We are they. Yeah, I'd watch the crap out of that. Yeah, like, I'd watch like it. we like visit a planet. Pro- feels and like it would are uh, like the alien. It's like War, War of the Worlds, but flipped. Yeah, we Straight are the they. Sci-Fi Channel. Absolutely. Yeah, really, yeah. really horrible CGI throughout, <laughs> um, but a good time nonetheless. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So maybe like, maybe a shot in black and white, like following, you know, because it's what cool. Is it, three by four, four by three. Is that the framing too? Yeah. Or it's like, um, I, yeah, I guess it's like the, it's kind of the Academy ratio um, mm. that following is in. I, I'm not really yeah. sure to be honest, uh, but um yeah, let's uh, let's get into your. Um, I shared last week kind of my intro to Christopher Nolan. Uh, do you mind sharing just like, man, what was the first Christopher Nolan movie you remember seeing? And uh, you know, is he a director that you really love? Is he a director that you're like, yeah, like highs and lows? Like, how do you feel about Christopher Nolan? And what was your yeah. intro to him? Yeah, I'd say that I'm not I'm not a Nolan fanboy. Uh, okay. I'm not a, I'm, I, I don't think that I belong to that. Uh, I feel like uh, Christopher Nolan movie fans are like the Taylor Swift fans of the movie world where like, you know, it's hard for someone to just be a casual fan of Chris because he, there's so much hype around his films. Everybody loves Inception and Interstellar and stuff. Uh, and yeah. I certainly love those films. I was introduced uh, through Interstellar um, where my, okay. my brother-in-law, uh, he put it on when we were hanging out one day. It was like, dude, you have to see this. And this was before I was really like into movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm only 
it's been like five years since I really started watching movies. Uh, and he's like, you gotta check this out. It's like time travel and stuff. And I was like, I like, I like sci-fi movies. I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd. <laughs> so I sat and watched it with him and I was like, wow, I didn't know that we could make movies like this. I didn't know that we were allowed to do interesting things with movies, you know? Uh, and I went home and I bought it on Apple, Apple plus that didn't exist yet. Apple something. I just bought it on yeah. Apple movies and I watched it nine times over nine the course times. of a month. I know. Wow. I, yeah. I don't even, and looking back, it's like, it's like not even in my like top three Nolan films right now. Like, <laughs> but I was just absolutely blown away that we could make movies like that. And I watched it nine times in a month. Um, and then I realized for the first time that directors most of the time make multiple movies and oh, when yeah. they make multiple movies, their multiple movies are often just as interesting as that one that you were introduced to. Um, so I learned that inter that inception was also an interstellar film and the Christopher Nolan film. And I was like, wait, he makes more. And I just dove into them. And I, Chris Nolan was one of the stepping stones to me beginning to love film, I'd say. Uh, but as yeah, I yeah. began to explore more film, I did learn that a lot of Chris Nolan stuff isn't as necessarily groundbreaking and, and, and revolutionizing to cinema as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. There's like, he took a lot of inspiration from the greats beforehand and I gained right. more appreciation over time from those greats while still being able to appreciate that he's, he's made some amazing stuff. Uh, so mm -hmm. he definitely was one of the first directors that I dove into whenever I started getting into film and his films are just fun. Um, yeah, they're just, they're all a good time. So I do love me Chris Nolan, but just like, you know, I like Taylor Swift. I like the, the Tay Tay songs, but I'm not a Swifty, you know, like I love Christopher right. Nolan, but I'm not, I'm not a Nolan guy all the way. Um, yeah. but I'm excited to I talk about you. it tonight for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of shared last week. He was kind of my, one of my stepping stones with, uh, with like Batman begins is the first I remember seeing. And then when mm -hmm. I was in college, the prestige, Man, I I love me yeah. some prestige when I was in college. Uh, but yeah, that um, I wonder uh, I wonder if that'll be a, like a common theme as we go through the series, like different guests, like uh, because like we we're kind of similar in that that way because mm -hmm. he really is kind of like a I guess he's like um, a cinephile gateway drug, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody <laughs> loves little... Dark Knight. Everybody <laughs> likes Inception. Like you, yeah, first you time get you a see, blown away get a taste of like real movie making and then you like you're moving on to the hard stuff after that you know oh yeah or it or it turns <laughs> you away or you're like i don't want to go any further yeah, yeah this is yeah, this confusing is like my uh my my in-laws love them to death they are like fast and furious people like they just yeah. want more explosions and more action and i like appreciate Family. it and family and like <laughs> racing cars off of the Burj Khalifa, they eat that stuff up. Uh, and I'm like, Hey guys, there's more interesting things that happen in film than just blowing <laughs> stuff up. And about as far as I can usually get them into like real, like cinema and like, check out the artistry is, is Chris is that's yeah. about as far as I can get them. You might can get them uh, into some Mad Max Fury road. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, you know, my, my father-in-law, he's a, um, He's he's an old head, so he's yeah, like, yeah. Ah, the first Mad Max is the best. <laughs> I'm like, get with the times, old man. Sorry, oh, I'm man. Uh, yeah, 
Shout, I guess shout out to Mr. Ed if he's <laughs> yeah. listening. Shout out to Ed and George Miller. Ty- yeah, and Ty- George Miller. Pillars <laughs> of cinema. Well, sweet. Uh, yeah, this was uh, getting into uh, our topic of discussion, uh, the movie following. This was your first watch, if I'm not mistaken. My first Follow- ever watch. I rented yeah. it for 99 cents and 99 the cent. crap out of it. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't want to watch it on Tubi with ads, I'm guessing. No, I don't. If you take a a film that's not shot (laughs) linearly and then splice some ads into there, (laughs) yeah, oh my god, it might add to the experience. You never know. Christopher, it's probably Christopher Nolan would die and then roll in his grave. He'd be so mad (laughs) if he heard that that was happening. (laughs) But it was so confusing. Not really. Won't hear because he's not. He's off the grid, basically. Did you know that about him? Yeah, what what's he doing? He had like he has no email address, never has. He has no cell phone, never has. He's just like he's like no thanks. He's just no out of Los Alamos. This newfangled technology, you know, emails, okay. cell phones, like get it this out of here. New technology, emails. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris. But yeah, he seriously, he's off the like he's not plugged into any wild. of that. Yeah, my uh, youth cool. pastor when I was growing I up, he it. only ever had a flip phone, but it was because he'd been struck by lightning twice. Ooh. And if he carried a Apple device or a Samsung device, it would like the battery would run out. So he had to that's keep flip. Very phone. strange. So maybe that. Maybe that's that's like a superpower. I know. I know. Like he just like melts batteries. Uh, maybe maybe that's what happened Man. to Christopher Nolan. He was struck by lightning, yeah. and now he can't have a phone. Maybe. I, I get him on the line. So. I've been reading, reading, uh, reading a lot about him, and I haven't come across that yet. But uh, no mention of lightning bolts. Maybe, maybe it's um, sort of uh, kind of stowed away, a stowed away story similar to this is my this is my like really bad attempt at a transition similar to the the short that led to following called Larceny. Wow, which has not really ever been seen <laughs> except for at a a couple of like a festival or two yeah. back when he I'm, made it. Is it available like you, anywhere? No, you can't, you can't watch wow. it. Um, wow. it's, I think it's like a eight or nine minute short called larceny, um, about a break in of sorts. Um, I think, okay. um, and you can, yeah, you can't find it anywhere. Um, wow. There's been, I think, uh, I think Nolan's brother, Jonathan has like kind of hinted in interviews that he has it like on a hard drive somewhere. Um, Dang. But yeah. It's, but he it's, doesn't use technology so they can't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it's one of those things where like um, Nolan, after he went ahead and went forward making following, he was like, well, I don't really want to show this one because it's kind of like a, a rough draft of the idea and yeah. I'd rather people just see following. So I think mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of, his way of like, no, don't watch my rough draft. Yeah. Only those people at that festival that one time get to ever see it. And me. Wow. Yeah. But, um, he watches it over and over again. Yeah. It's kind of sad. I did watch a couple of the other shorts you can watch on YouTube. Mm. Um, doodle bug. That was an interesting one. Doodle bug was actually on the criterion disc for, for following, which wow. is actually his only criterion. I've got it right here. Look at that. Yeah, I saw the Criterion logo fly through on Amazon Prime. 
Yeah. We're not sponsored, yeah, it's, but I, it's, it's the only one. Um, not sponsored, not a sponsor. Uh, yeah, it's the only one on Criterion. So I don't get yeah. that. Uh, it's interesting. Pretty much all the West movies, except for French Dispatch, I yeah. Have Dogs are on uh, just Criterion. It hasn't been made yet. Yeah, they probably, probably like will be in the queue. But, yeah. but um, I mean, Mean Streets is getting a release now. So yeah, I, think I saw that. They're backlogged, man. They got to catch up. What's going on? Sure. You need like I need mean like Streets. ten new Criterions a month. Yeah, that'd be. I mean, <laughs> That'd be yeah, wonderful. Don't expect um, this workload. Or maybe not, because I already like just want too many of them and I have no yeah. money to spend on them. So uh yeah. maybe hold off for a while, Criterion. Let us do some catching up, you know. I don't know. Yeah. Or just um, extend the Barnes and Noble sale. Just make them half all year. Fifty percent off. There we go. <laughs> uh yeah, uh but yeah, so following it it began as sort of two ideas. So Nolan um, was spending a lot of time kind of walking the streets of London to and fro his, uh, his day job after he graduated mm -hmm. uh, college. And um, he was just kind of fascinated by the dynamics of a crowd. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, I think this is something that'll start being uh, a recurring theme when we talk about Nolan's movies is he takes something that probably should be simple and like really overthinks it. Um, and so like he was just, he's looking at, he's seeing a crowd, he's in a crowd every day and he just starts thinking about like how lonely people are today in a crowd um, and mm -hmm. how like, he he even talks about um, at some point in some interview somewhere how like if you like and it's he sort of talks about it at the very beginning of following in um, the you know the young man character in voiceover um, kind of narrating but uh, yeah he he talks about how like in today like if you're like walking down the street and you're in a crowd and you like focus on a person and like think about them as an individual it's like mm. it's almost like you've invaded their privacy um yeah which is which is like feel it rings true like i'm like oh i guess i get that i never thought about it before but this is i guess what christopher nolan thinks about yeah. um Overthinking and um crowds. yeah and he he talk he he's like yeah there's all these social rules um for being in a crowd in public like you don't keep step with a stranger like you go faster yeah. or slower but you, you never keep step with a stranger it's like a weird everyone mm -hmm. just knows it social rule um yeah. so yeah it's, interesting so it's, that idea. To, it's an interesting thought to consider like uh like it's a crowd becomes a unit but like he says in the beginning of the film like when you when you isolate one that and you think about that individual that's a person who mm -hmm. has worries who has fears who has desires who has responsibilities uh, and it's, they have just as many things going on as you do. Uh, and like that idea compounded so much kind of like in the gym, you ever think about how many, how much counting happens in the heads of people in the gym? If you could hear yeah, all the thoughts, that's true. Through reps, it's just counting all the time. Yeah. But when you isolate, like it's, it's a great, great observation that it's, it's almost like a violation of privacy. Yeah. To it's, even, a, like, it's, weird. it's weird to think that just because you've like, notice someone and like focused mm -hmm. on them for a second it's like invading their privacy it's like 
that's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's that rule. And then there's um, the fact that he um, came home to his flat one day. And um, I think he had, he was living with um, his soon to be wife, Emma Thomas um, at yeah. that point. Um, and uh, their flat had been burgled. Um, they took like mm. some CDs and a few personal items sort of thing. Um, and he was just like thinking about how like, it's not so much like that things were taken, but that like, again, a social rule had been broken. Cause really like there's just a door there. And he was thinking about like, they had this flimsy door and he's like, really, there's nothing yeah. keeping anyone out except for like just social, so rules. social rules that we follow. Mm. Um, and that had been broken. Um, mm. And like, that was more violating even than like the stuff being taken. Um, yeah. And I think that I think that is true because any anytime I've interacted with someone who's like just had like something stolen from them, it is that feeling of like being like violated like yeah. your space and, and your just, things. We just bought a house and yeah. The idea of someone entering our house even if they just walk in and then walk yeah. out without a permission, it's it's a terrifying and violating and you don't, you don't feel safe ever again fully. I yeah. Think. Yeah. Yeah. So you have kind of those two ideas, both kind of like, both are sort of these ideas about like shattering social conventions. Um, and those two ideas put them together and you get, well, you get first larceny, which we'll never see probably. And then uh, eventually following. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are like the two ideas that melded together. But then of course, like you have other influences, like when he started writing this, this story, um, he like kind of knew from the get go that it was going to be a noir kind of story. Um, and so like, he was like, well, I got to do my research. So he started watching, uh, like he watched, um, uh, Hitchcock's strangers on a train, which I actually watched mm -hmm. the other day to kind of like, Oh, yeah, because I knew he had watched that for this movie. Um, yeah, it was really good. Um, yeah, it was really good, like Hitchcock, yeah. uh, Hitchcock movie. Um, uh, Tournier's uh, Out of the Past, I think, is another big one that he watched, kind of in that noir um, category. And then uh, Raymond Chandler is an author, um, and he Raymond Chandler is actually credited uh, as writing. Um, Stranger on a Train, too, the script for it. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but he's, um, he wrote The Big Sleep. It's probably his most popular book, mm. but um, kind of called, like, The Godfather of Noir. Um, uh, so, yeah, he, he was a big influence, too. And I think even, like, the kind of, you know, the, the MacGuffin, which, if this is your first time tuning in, this is a spoiler podcast, so we're not, like, we just start talking Spoiling about the thing. movie. Whatever yep. comes up, comes up. So Here's your warning. just be warned. Um, now, back later. Yeah, I don't know. There might be some new listeners coming in for following and not prepared for the spoiler talk. But um, but yeah, you know the MacGuffin in um in that's kind of here in following is these like seeming like supposedly like pornographic pictures that are stowed away in a safe. Yeah. Um, and that's the MacGuffin in uh, the Big Sleep too. So like a direct influence there from, yeah. from Ray Chandler. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and then too, like um, he had seen uh, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs had come out by this point, and his wife uh, Emma Thomas was working for um, Working Title, which is like a an English production company, and she had mm-hmm. gotten somehow her hands on the script for Pulp Fiction. Wow! And, uh, yeah, so like l- looking at that, and um, he really, of course, like there's we talked about last week some of the influence that. Um, went into like his interest in nonlinear like story structures mm-hmm. um but uh but he liked how like tarantino was starting to like do that sort of thing like kind of throw out the the typical like narrative yeah. structure of of movies like just kind the of tossing out that, that heist right uh, and reservoir um, dogs and then like three seemingly unconnected stories in pulp fiction Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, t- like uh, I don't know. Like Tarantino is is they're kind of contemporaries, but um, and it's almost like it's. I would say Tarantino wasn't so much like an influence on him as much as like an encouragement for him to like join that idea that he likes too already. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. But yeah, he he made following six years after graduating um for a while uh his uh his wife emma thomas was like on her lunch breaks trying to like find funding for the movie and they did not find any funding for the movie and so i was gonna say like i've I've heard people go on like mission trips for more than this movie (laughs) yeah yeah you know like he he uh i think uh, the total budget so like most of the budget came from a bonus that Christopher Nolan got from his day job. Um, and most of the budget was spent on film stock. Um, and uh, it came out to around 3000 pounds, which is maybe like five or 6,000 American dollars. Yeah. I think. Um, and that was like the total budget for the film. Um, wow. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I mean, they, this was a nothing movie. <laughs> like they, they didn't do, they didn't spend anything on this. Like they, so he, um, you know, he was in head of a film society in college, and he kind of brought the crew back together. And basically, they, it was like all the actors were like friends from the film society from college, and they all worked for free, basically. Um, yeah. Like nobody was making any money <laughs> off of this. Uh, but yeah, they shot it like. So basically they had been sh- doing some work like with shorts and they had made larceny and uh, what they would do is basically like they would larceny was almost like a practice run because they went, they went one weekend and shot larceny and that weekend it's like a six to nine minutes somewhere in their short film. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's like how they shot this whole movie. They would, have their day jobs during the week. And then on Saturday they would go shoot, you know, basically a short, um, a short worth of the movie. Yeah. A couple of scenes Um, from it. Yeah. So they would go shoot and it, it took them like a year and, um, to, to get the, get everything shot and ready. Um, because you can't stop your life at that point when you're, yeah. And, um, not all in Nolan was, Nolan basically was everything in the movie except for the actors. Like he directed it. He did the camera work for it. He was the cinematographer. He was the producer. He wrote the movie. Um, 
he uh, he edited. Um, I think he did have another guy that helped with some of the editing towards the end. Yeah, um, but I'm sure uh, that's not yeah, easy to edit for your first time, your first feature, and do it non-linearly and make sure it flows yeah. well. Well, it's a, it's actually like um, which the first episode hasn't released yet, so you couldn't have heard it yet. But yeah, we talked about he did a lot of. Um, he found uh, at his college this old Steambeck film editing machine. And he like was all the time practicing like editing film. So like he, mm. at that point he's, he like kind of knows what he's doing by the yeah. time he's making following. Um, just I from, always like, forget plugging. that they, that they manually spliced. Yeah. He was doing like better. hand cutting of film and stuff Wow, on this machine. Yeah. And learning how to like sync up the sound with it and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. When we get, when we get done, you should look up, uh, the Steenbeck, um, editing machine. Cause it's like, it's like, oh yeah, this is like straight out of the eighties, like technology. Hey. Really awesome. Like the Fableman's machine. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. That's a good reference point. Yeah. Um, yeah, no one did all that. He was everything basically. And then, of course, you have, like, the three actors. Um, well, the, I guess you got the policeman, too. That's uh, Nolan's uncle they brought in to do that. Um, so he got his uncle to play the the officer mm. that's interrogating the young man. Um, yeah, really three actors. And re- only one of them actually went on to be, like, a professional actress. That was the, the girl that plays the blonde, uh, Russell. Um, but, yeah... Um, Jeremy Theobald just kind of became a bit of a producer. Um, he's been like kind of like a very, very minor character in a couple other Nolan films, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other guy, um, Alex Hall that played Cobb. Um, I think he went into architecture or something. Uh, I think I remember reading. Um, That's funny. So one actor in his feature, in his debut feature film. Yeah. Just one. Yeah, really, really just one. Well, like one that actually like went on to act more. And honestly, yeah. she was kind of the worst of the three, in my opinion, as yeah, far as they were acting. To be, to be candid, they were all fairly rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's not great. The artistry is clear, but it's, yeah, it's definitely clear that these are not the yeah. actors. Yeah. And obviously it was her first. I don't know that I've seen her in anything else. So I can't yeah, really I speak to you. how she grew as an actress, but it was her more than likely her, like her first mm. act, like actress job or yeah. at least not film. so much job, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Minimum wage. Give that. Yeah. Yeah. So like they, they get this movie done in a year, get it edited down. They, um, they had to like, you know, pitch it to these, um, you know, basically like festivals to kind of, because they, they had the film, but they needed it. Um, uh, what's the, the, the film jargon. Um, they needed basically it printed so that it could be shown, um, which costs money to get, yeah, it costs money to get it done. And so, um, I don't remember if a festival finally agreed to do that for them or if they had someone kind of like, front the last little bit of money they would need for that i can't remember exactly how that worked but they finally got accepted to um premiere at san francisco's film festival uh so that's where is it that premiered. A, is that a big film festival do you know 
Um, San Francisco Film Festival. I, honestly, I don't know. It's in San Francisco. I'm sure that should be. Yeah, I'm sure it's a decent, a decent little film festival. It's not like one of the big ones. Yeah. Um, it's not like, not like no big cane. It didn't get accepted to Sundance. Um, it did get into Toronto, uh, film festival and then slam dance is one um that mm. it got into i think it actually got rejected by slam dance and then after it showed at san francisco the next year slam dance showed it so um but uh gotcha. yeah it um after it had that like short little uh kind of festival run uh zeitgeist film a production company picked it up and uh and did a theatrical release for it um and it made Fifty thousand dollars. Wow, which is not ten a lot times. of money at all. But but it's yeah, ten, ten times, ten times the what they spent on it. So yeah. <laughs> so I'd say that's a pretty good return, you know. Oh yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I wish I yeah, could. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd had, invest in it. It had pretty good critical responses too. Um, like people people liked it. Um. You get you get the feeling from I'm going to read a couple of quotes. You get the feeling that people are like, man, this guy's got something. They weren't necessarily like this is a fantastic movie, but they're like, man, this guy has something going. Yeah, um, you can definitely smell the greatness. Yeah, yeah. Like, evident uh, here. Yeah, and it, it's funny, like, um, you know, we did a Wes Anderson last series and um, I like Bottle Rocket a good bit more than than following, I think. Um, uh, yeah it's it's definitely still of a similar vein of like a director really trying to get a feel for what they want to do um but um but yeah i just liked it more but yeah this um this critic early on uh for following said um that the movie succeeds as thoroughly as it does getting deeper and creepier as it goes along is evidence of a far-seeing creative imagination so i'm like oh yeah he like That's he's like oh, yeah, this guy this guy's got something. Uh, he's got, he's got, uh, I don't know, some, yeah. something going for him. But yeah, there's another my one. Scott... Reaction whenever I was finished with okay. it was just like my initial reaction whenever I was finished with it was just like, man, if we'd had like 30 more minutes added to it, it, it felt like it was like, it just, as soon as it started to catch its stride was when it kind of landed the plane because of the, mm -hmm. the budget problems and, and, and the short time sure, yeah. that they had. So I'm sure that's like kind of what they're feeling like. It's like a you know just smelling some uh, like homemade spaghetti or something. You're like, oh, I could eat a plate of that. Oh yeah, but you just can't quite reach it yet. You know, what are yeah. the other For other sure. critics say? Yeah, yeah. This other one, it's a it's actually a little bit even more high praise. Um, it says, uh, "Following is that rare debut in which a formidable creative personality seems to have sprung upon the scene fully developed. All of Nolan's abiding abiding obsessions are in evidence." The boldly nonlinear chronology, the liquid sense of identity, the involuntary spasms of memory. I like that last part. Yeah. Spasms mm. of memory. That's involuntary that guy's, spasms of memory. Yeah, that guy's good with words. Scott found his bit of a yeah. wordsmith. He pulled up thesaurus.com yeah. while he was writing that. Yeah. Another word for, sure. for crazy. Or he might not have, but we would we probably would have needed to. Uh, yeah. So the, the you know, it really is like you were saying, it's like that. Um, that seems to be what the critical response was like. This guy has something going for him. Like he has like really good potential. 
um, to, to do something interesting because really like that's what following is. Like if you were like, if I was trying to sell someone on watching following, I would be like, it's interesting. It's an interesting film that, um, that isn't like anything super profound and it isn't anything like super, like, um, I guess unique or like mate, like some major breakthrough, like you were kind of saying, Mm -hmm. but, um, but it is, it's interesting and it's, it is interesting. I think probably it's more interesting in light of his whole filmography. Yeah. Um, then it That's is. I was gonna like, say, if someone likes Memento or something like that, if someone would love Memento yeah. or even Interstellar or something like that, and you were like, you want to see his first swing at it, it's not necessarily yeah. a home run, but if you want to see where he was breeding the grounds for something as awesome yeah. as those are, this is where to go. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's, it is interesting. Like, Bottle Rocket is probably a little bit less so, but in a similar, I guess, mm. vein. It, it's, they're movies that, like, um, so like some directors come on and it's like Orson Welles, Citizen Kane, knock it out of the park, you know? Uh, yeah. But then like most directors come on with a movie like this, like they're trying to get their footing. Um, it's not like, it's kind of just a glimpse of what they'll, what they will be, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, that's yeah. kind of what this, this film is. Um, but it, it's interesting. It's like, it's interesting, like visually it's interesting. Like in the structure of the narrative is interesting. Like it's even sort of interesting in the ideas um, that it's exploring. I think um, I, uh, I know like, you know, it, it is also a, a film that I feel like can easily be sort of made fun of like, Ooh, what if someone breaks into your home? Because, you know, because they want yeah. to shake your life up and show you what you had and then take it away. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's kind of a little like, I don't know if corny is the right word, but mm-hmm. something like that. It's like it's a little underdeveloped, trying, it's a little basic. Yeah. yeah, like trying to be profound, but not that profound sort of thing. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's again, it's it's a it's a young filmmaker, like figuring out how do I take these ideas that I like have in my head and make a compelling story. And, yeah. and that is one of the things Nolan said. He said he has like all these um, interest things that he thinks is interesting to think about, but like that most people might not think is as interesting as he does. And so like, he felt like uh, putting it in this like noir kind of story was a good like medium for him to like, make other people interested in things that otherwise they wouldn't have been that, you know, he was interested in exploring. Um, yeah. Which sort of makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it is basically a no budget film. Like all they spent money on was a film stock. And so like, because of that, um, you have, there's, there's a, a lot of like limitations on what you can do. Um, yeah. And so, like, I was kind of, like, researching and just looking at um, all the things that they did to, like, capitalize and make the most out of the basically nothing that they had to work with. And so, like, they're they're borrowing basically all this old equipment from the basement of um, the theater where they met for the Film Society in college. Um, 
they have like you know the 16 millimeter camera that he's using um uh they're doing rehearsals months in advance mm-hmm. uh because they only have so much film that they've been able to scrounge up to to buy and so like you can't really waste a whole lot of film by getting got to get it right multiple ca- takes yeah you got to get it right so you got to rehearse um yeah. Yeah, uh, they're like filming on locations with no permits, kind of guerrilla style. Like they couldn't get permits that they needed to shoot in the street, so they just like handheld. I'm I'm getting out there and just doing it um, yeah. with no permit, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and the street even, shots uh, are good. They're good. Yeah, like the street shots work. Yeah, I felt a little disoriented, um, like from those first ones where he's like walking and it's very shaky. Yeah. Um, that's not always like my favorite style. Um, but like he did say, Nolan did say like he shot that opening kind of police interrogation scene is the only thing they shot, um, like on, um, a dolly track. Mm. Um, there were these like old dolly tracks in the, that basement of the theater. Um, where the like the film society met and um it wasn't really transportable so they they just shot it down there um and he said he did that because he wanted he wanted to like open with a very like clean like perfect like that professional typical like way of shooting um he felt like if he threw people right into like the handheld work that people would just be like oh this is just some uh, cheap like shoddy like yeah. filmmaking but he wanted to show them like no i can do this sort of filmmaking i'm making like a deliberate decision to go handheld mm-hmm. um with this film um which i thought was like i guess like thoughtful of him to think like uh people are like people aren't gonna go for it they're gonna just immediately be taken out of it unless i show them like something more what they're used to to start with yeah, he's definitely um, thinking long term to prove that he has that uh, that eye, that vision. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, a homemade film, right? Yeah, um, and one of the things too with like uh, working, him working with the camera was he was really learning because he's like sitting there looking through the lens and he's like in the space with them, and uh, he's learning how to think in like three D space. Like yeah. so, when he when he starts getting like bigger budgets and working on bigger films than like blocking the scenes out came a lot easier to him. Um, which, you know, if you're not familiar with film language, blocking a scene is just like basically putting, putting people in the room, uh, where they're supposed to be so that the, the you can get the shot the way you want it to look basically. Um, very simple way of explaining blocking, but, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, he, that's one of the things like that was kind of, one of his like lessons learned, I guess is um, he, and to this day, he doesn't um, use a monitor on set. Um, he's always like, he's always standing next to the camera. Um, Looking straight like through. He's not, wow. Yeah. He's not working the camera anymore, obviously, but he's, mm. he's right there in the space. Cause he feels like as soon as you start looking at it on a monitor, you're like thinking in 2d space. And he said, he, it, it like, it doesn't yeah. help his like, thought process i guess which i thought that was interesting that is interesting gotta see it yeah um yeah i mean everything from like 
clothes and props being their own stuff. Like, uh, did you notice something uh, prophetic in this movie uh, Was for Nolan's career? I did not. I did not. You Tell didn't? me. Surprise me. I don't All think right. so. You're going to remember as soon as I say it. There was something. Yeah. There was a, a logo of some sort on the door of um, of Bill, Bill, the young man's apartment. Maybe you didn't was, notice. I didn't notice. It's it. just what a was quick little thing. That's the Batman yeah. logo. He has the Batman symbol. I, okay. Okay. I yeah. noticed it. I did see it. <laughs> I didn't connect it because I'm not smart, but I noticed it. And I yeah. was like, I think I noticed it. And I was like, that's the old Batman symbol, not Chris's Batman symbol. No. But yeah, yeah he, I mean, he had no like idea that he would be doing oh, yeah. Batman movies at that point. Like he had no idea if he would have a, a career in filmmaking <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Uh, much less like, you know, big budget Batman films, but, um, but yeah, I thought that was a cool little Easter egg. Like, yeah. And it's just like total coincidence. Uh, it was, um, that was, I think that was Theobald, the, the young man actor. I think that was his flat. He just had a Batman, uh, symbol on his, the door of his flat. And so that's just like, just a coincidence. Yeah, and uh, turned turned out to be prophetic of uh, Nolan's future. The only thing that would yeah, make it better um, is if there was a, a top in the uh, in like the trinkets that he stole oh, in the yeah. box. There was that a spinning top. I'm like wow, yeah. he was really thinking. Or, or if he had made uh, Cobb and Inceptions, which that, I guess that's another Easter egg, like the Cobb name. Yeah, um, if he had made his totem a spinning seahorse. Mm. Oh. Or if he would have dropped a nuke on London, yeah, that at the end of yeah, following, that'd that be a great Easter egg to his newest <laughs> hit film, Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh man, uh, oh, we're just gonna move right on from that one. Um, yeah, the typewriter, uh, the typewriter was like Nolan's typewriter. It was like a birthday gift from his dad, and he wow. actually wrote the script for following on that typewriter, which is kind of cool. Like, let me Person's put my typewriter. typewriter in the movie. And like, I even, in, I noticed too. Um, so when they're in his apartment, when he's like trying to make it out, like, Oh, we're going to burgle this guy. It's my first find. And it's actually like his apartment. Um, uh, he's like the guy, uh, Cobb like looks at the typewriter and he's like, now this guy's, this guy's not a real writer. He's, <laughs> he's unemployed and he just wants to be a writer. He'd be using like a, like a computer. Uh, so that's a funny a word processor. Yeah. Like and that. so I was like, I wonder if that was like Nolan kind of giving a dig at himself. Like Making this guy's fun not a writer. Yeah. He just wants yeah, to be good. a writer. Yeah. Which like maybe a good writer. You have to feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Like, I'm not really a writer. I'm just pretending. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of like little tricks he had to get away with. The lighting was a big one. Like, like first, like they're like, well, we can't really afford to shoot in color because we can't afford the lighting for good color shooting. Mm. Um, but also like he was like, but I also think black and white will be best for like the expressionistic style that I want this movie to have. So it's kind of like a just kind of worked out like, this is what is best for our budget. And also like, it fits like the style I'm going for. Even yeah. like with that noir feel, like it feels more oh, yeah. noir with it being black and white. I definitely um, had like third man feels on some of them, you know? Like, yeah. 
that like box framed black and white mm -hmm. uh, foggy like edges you can't really see what's happening yeah for sure I think you definitely achieved yeah. that yeah and uh he does like a lot of like window lighting um like yeah. having characters next to windows to light light them um the sound uh is probably like one of the most he he said like the sound is probably the most difficult thing with this, with a low budget film like this. Um, because you're just like, especially like, because he's shooting on location so much too, like you yeah. just don't know what sound you're going to end up with. Um, and so, um, but, uh, something that he refused to do then and still to this day refuses to do, which is probably has something to do with people's like problems with hearing his dialogue. Um, he refuses to record dialogue, um, after, like after shooting the scene and like, yeah. cause that's what a lot of, a lot of films that get made they're you know, they're obviously recording when they're shooting the scene, but then they'll go back in and re-record like in a studio, the dialogue and add yeah. it in and post. Like it's just more crisp in a, an environment you can control it. Right. Um, but Chris Nolan like refuses to do that to like to this day. And so that might be, yeah. that might have something to do with like, like Tenet and some oh, people have like said this about like Oppenheimer even is like just hard to hear some yeah. of the, um, the he definitely dialogue. I think improved yeah. with Oppenheimer. It's a little bit better in Oppenheimer, but dude, Tenet, yeah. oh my goodness. Tenet, <laughs> I was like, I'm glad that I'm not, it was that moment where I was like, I'm glad I'm not supposed to understand fully what's happening because I, I can't even hear their explanations half the time. Yeah. So I'm just going to assume that it's not a mistake, but a stylistic <laughs> choice right? on Christopher Nolan's genius brain's behalf yeah. to make us not even understand what they're saying. Right. Right. And I, th and I think it is like a good um, principle because he's, he basically is like, you know, once you take the actors like out of the location and out of like shooting the scene, and put them in a different environment. Like you're not getting the same acting in their voices. Yeah. And so he's like, I just don't want to do that because I'm, I'm capturing it all right here. Yeah. Um, and this is the way it's supposed to, this is how their dialogue's supposed to sound. Like you can't totally recreate that elsewhere. So, yeah. Um, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, he, he, uh, he says, um, this is a, a quote from Nolan. He said, uh, I think I've spent every other film spending massive resources to get back to where we had nothing. <laughs> so like, he's like, he's basically like, now I have all these like huge, massive budgets, but I'm still like trying to, I still like am pulling from and trying to like get back to that headspace of like having nothing and trying to figure out how to, how to make this work. Um, yeah, yeah, and I've heard him say he buy like a another... plane and like actually create those bombs. Like he's he's so well known for his practical effects. Like he doesn't mm -hmm. want to CG anything, um, but with right, that right. comes a pretty hefty price tag when you're buying the 747s just to crash them into buildings. Yeah, spoiler for yeah, tenant I mean, episode. He's um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he uh, yeah, he d he does um. Like, well, I'll say this. He, in an interview that I listened to, I can't remember. It was, I think it was on a podcast. Um, but uh, he was basically saying like, 
I still like when I when I was making following, obviously, like I had to make a film better than what our budget was because like you didn't really have a choice <laughs> like because he had no budget, basically. So, of course, the film, however, it turns out is like uh, going to be better than the budget should allow. And so it's that idea of like stretching, stretching what you do have, like to get more out of it than than you should be able to. Um, he just talks about like even like with Tenet with this huge budget, like he's trying to like push like the limits of um, even like with this massive budget. Like I want to get more out of this budget than like I should be able to get out of it, even yeah. with a massive budget. Which I appreciate that like mindset of like I want to get the most out of this that I possibly can. Yeah. Um, seeing the, I think the, you do see it budgets. to some degree. Yeah, yeah. I've like, seen the higher budgets as like a blessing and being like right. I don't want to misuse the resources that I have. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it does come through with like with the practical effects and with like flipping semi trucks and exploding them and you know oh yeah like the, it just like is really cool to watch and so mm -hmm. like uh you know someone else might end up just cg and that sort of thing but he's like no we're doing it we're spending like we're getting the most out of this budget we're doing it for real which i appreciate you know yeah um but yeah one of the things he he said that they did get right he i, I guess this is his like maybe one of his proudest things about this movie is that they crafted this script um, to like match the sort of production that they could actually pull off. So like he, the way he like wrote this and scripted it and like, um, and all that sort of stuff, like was very well thought through to get to, like we said, like get the most out of, out of it. Like he wasn't writing something that was like something he couldn't actually make. But he also didn't want to like dumb it down too much, too. Yeah. Like he's he's like writing this to to match and maybe push a little bit the sort of production they were capable of with the budget they had. Hmm. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I guess we can kind of get into like the story a bit. Um, what's uh, yeah? What were your like initial thoughts? Like when the when the credits start rolling, like were you like? man, that was really cool. Or like you were you yeah. confused or what? So I think whenever I, whenever I put it on, I just forgot for a moment that Christopher Nolan likes nonlinear films. Yeah. Yeah. And then they started jumping and I was like, wait, <laughs> what's happening? And then I was like, right. oh, this is Christopher Nolan. Of course it's not going to be in order. So then I had to really pay attention to like, hairstyles and outfits yep. and like the uh -huh. amount of how clean they were and stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's not, it's not the most complicated of his stories. Um, sure, it's, yeah. it's really a fairly straightforward and simple story that's just told in such a blocky way. Um, mm -hmm. so when the credits hit, I, I was content. I felt like I understood what was happening because it wasn't mm -hmm. like you said, they wrote the script for a film that they could shoot. They didn't write a script for this big dream budget. Um, and yeah. once like the plane landed and there was a question of, man, I know that I know what happened, but where mm -hmm. did he go? You know, like yeah. at the very end, I'm like, wait, I don't understand this. 
But other than that, like I was, but now he's not. Yeah. Other than that, I was, I was tracking with the story and then they were like, psych, he's gone. And then I was like, did I just watch Christopher Nolan's fight club? What's happening? (laughs) He was never really there. We're going to, we're going to get into that later. Cause I have some, I, I have some theories that aren't so much theories of like, what if this is what's going on? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, it could, could, I could just be like way overthinking it, but, um, but yeah, we'll get into that later. I'll save it. Uh, yeah, you, you definitely have like the nonlinear structure is like, this is where it all begins. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked about some of the influences of that last week. Um, uh, if people want to go back and listen to that, um, I don't want to rehash all of that here, but yeah, mm-hmm. you definitely have, he's just interested in, and and I think here's where it's, why it's interesting to me is because like, there's a purpose behind the nonlinear structure. Um, and the purpose is, um, he has this character that's like, like recollecting a story um, to an officer. And he just has this idea of when we talk in our normal conversations, just our everyday conversations, and we're like recollecting something to someone, um, we very rarely like tell it in a straight linear structure. We'll like start getting into it. And then we'll like be like, oh yeah. And before that, this happened because you're like remembering something and remembering another detail that's relevant relevant to your story and so Mm. like very rarely in our conversation do we actually like speak literally in our narrative structure of our conversation and so this film sort of like is kind of just a i guess like a narrative experiment of sorts of like trying to make um a film that's similar to that in the way we like tell stories in conversation which i think is actually like really clever Oh yeah, because you'll actually you'll often jump to the the most exciting or important points whenever you're trying to recollect a story, like you're mm-hmm. saying, like spitting uh, out those, a rubber glove. Yeah, but those important <laughs> points don't carry anything if you don't know how you actually got there. And yeah, yeah, a lot of times whenever you're, especially like that's, I mean, that was like an interrogation, almost right. the conversation that he's having with the, mm-hmm. with the cop in the end, and and especially in those high intensity situations you feel like you want to get out the knowledge that you feel is most important to solidify your innocence or get your point across uh and you Mm -hmm. often even neglect the foundational things of a story that could really set it up for being impactful right and that's the beauty of um, popping that foundation into the end yeah yeah for sure and and he kind of even said like um the noir element kind of buys you some uh extra creative space to like play with narrative structure and stuff um because he was because like you said it's a pretty like if you know how a noir works like if you if you've watched any other noir film they all have a similar like you like there's intrigue there's uh there's a bit of thrill um mm-hmm. there's like uh kind of like what's really going on but in the but in the back of your mind when you're watching a noir, you know like that at the end they're gonna like tie everything together because that's yeah. what happens in a noir. Like you might not know where it's leading, but you know it's like leading somewhere. And so he was kind of like you know this going with a noir story. Like people know like I might not be tracking fully with what's going on, but I know mm. he's taking it somewhere, and it's gonna be 
it's going to be interesting at least. And so um, that kind of creates some space to like play around with the structure a little bit, uh, which yeah. makes sense to me. But um, yeah, you have the confidence yeah, of the crowd. I, I did go through. Um, so on the criterion uh, collection disc, there is actually a linear ele- edit of the film. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it, it was really kind fun. of one of those things where Nolan was like, cause that was a lot of, um, a lot of negative criticism around following was like, Oh, like, you know, he's just like trying to show off and, um, and like do it. Like, there's not really much to the story. Like it's just interesting. Cause he did the nonlinear structure. And so like when the, they did the criterion for it, he re like edited it for a linear with a linear edit to kind of prove like, no, it's still like, it actually yeah. still works just as a linear story. I did it this way on, there's a reason I did it that way. It's not poor editing. It's right. It's intentional. Uh, and I did, I scrubbed through it. Um, I didn't like rewatch it again in the linear edit, but I did scrub yeah. through it and kind of go like, okay, now this is happening. Now this is happening as I went through. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I, I could see how this actually still works just as a straight linear film noir. Mm-hmm. Um, it would still be, it would still be like an enjoyable, like, good watch i think yeah um i think the non-linear structure does make it more interesting sets it apart um yeah for sure and i think it's because you're getting like it's basically all that's happening with the non-linear structure is that you're getting bits of information in a different order than you typically would so like for yeah. instance like in the linear edit when they go to burgle his own apartment you don't know that it's his own apartment you wouldn't know that it was on his own apartment yet you would find that yeah. out later um, mm-hmm. but in the nonlinear structure, you already know that it's a, his apartment because you've, you've seen him in it before, um, mm-hmm. later on and you know, like, oh, this is his place. And so when they go to like, when him and Cobb go to burgle it, um, like you already know, like, oh, he's taking him to his own apartment. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so it's just like, you think about things in a different way cause you're getting information in a different order. Uh, yeah. And it, it's able to frame what's most important to the story um, and mm-hmm. what things deserve to be saved for big reveals that you don't quite get in a direct yeah. linear story because you're receiving all of the facts and the information as they come in order mm-hmm. chronology, chronologically, chronologically, uh, whereas in a nonlinear, <laughs> you get it in order of importance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... Uh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, the like you were saying, like you kind of have to like you do have to switch around in your mind. Like, okay, he's got short hair and he's got a black eye here. So we're like pretty yeah. later on in this, in the story here. Oh, he's got like, he's got long hair and he won't look anybody in the eye. We're like at the very beginning. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you kind of have to do some switching around as far as that goes in your mind. There's like three or four, I guess, depending on how you want to break it down, like temporalities, and the the way it's edited with the nonlinear is like you're getting bits of all of these all jumbled up. So, um, but yeah, he um, he talks too about um, the objects. So there's a lot of like objects, obviously, in this film. Um, you get you get some like um, uh, cuts, like you know, cut to 
uh, an object sort of things too. And so like you get, you get like stuff added to the narrative with that. And that's something that he's, he's like carried on, I think through all of his other films, you think about like all the times, like where he's like, you know, in a scene and then he cuts to like an object being looked at, like being held and looked at sort of thing. And it it's because like objects carry narrative structure. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he, I think he related that back to like conversation too. Like we use objects as in our conversation, we use objects as like kind of like anchor points for whatever story or, or mm-hmm. idea we're communicating. Um, yeah. Like what was yeah, the like, state of this object in this moment? Where right. was the position of it is usually easier to remember than to how you felt mm-hmm. or what exactly you said sometimes. Right. Yeah. And like, uh, like for instance, like the hammer, like you see him like putting on the hammer. Well, then like when you see the hammer later, um, being used in a, like to do something like to, you know, when Cobb is like using the hammer at the end, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's that hammer again. And then the cop has the hammer and he's like, here's this hammer with the, with the two different bloods on it. Like, types of blood on it. Yeah. So it's this object that's kind of like helping tie everything together. Um, that's like, he, you know, he has the box at the end of the film and he's like pulling stuff out. He's like, here's this object and here's this object. And just like, we kind of tie things together with like, objects as anchor points in our conversation. Like that's what Nolan is doing with all of these objects there at the end of the film, like tying all the loose ends together of the story. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I think that the, um, I think that the like noir kind of story is enhanced by the nonlinear structure. Um, like, I think it makes it more like you really, I think what he, what ends up happening is like, there's always like a kind of a twist or like a surprise in a noir. Um, but what I think what he does with this nonlinear structure is he keeps showing you things like in the future and then jumping back. And so he's making you feel like you're in on it. Um, Mm. and so like when the first reveal happens, like you're like, ah, yeah, like you see it coming. Like I was, I was in on this the whole time. Yeah. But then, like, he pulls the double on you and does the second reveal where, like, it's like, oh, uh, he got me, you know. And I think he's, yeah. like, setting you up for that with a little bit. With, I think it's enhanced a little bit by that nonlinear structure. I don't, did you get yeah. that feeling? Absolutely, yeah. You can you can see the pieces um, and you, you, you think that you understand. But even something like an envelope uh, is just such a barrier to information um, in film. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can just take these extremely untrustworthy characters word ironically for what's mm-hmm. in them um for what's the the actual plot of what's actually being hidden uh but then like yeah. the moment that that reveal happens it's it changes like i think that the moment he looks at the pictures is what really flips the whole thing on its head for me mm-hmm. um and the fact that it was you know a, a tiny piece of paper that was really dividing that information from yeah. our character, but also from us uh, and the specific time that it's able to be revealed in the story gives us, you know, what 55 minutes of film where we're 
well, we got to get the envelope. We got to get the envelope. We got to get the envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, this woman's life is in danger. If she, if she doesn't, if we don't find this envelope, she's, she's being, uh, abused. If we don't find this envelope, mm-hmm. when you find the envelope and you're like, wait, something more is happening here. And I don't quite yeah. know what it is yet. And that nonlinear yeah. structure is able to reveal it in, in a very strategic and fun way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, like, you know, that's where it comes in is cause like it's, you know, it's a noir, like, cause of just everything about it is very noir. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that there's like a kind of a twist coming. Um, yeah. and so like you, you kind of get the feeling that like he, she's sending him on like a goose wild goose chase. Like there's not really yeah. anything like they're setting him up for something. Um, yeah. and so like, yeah, that, and, uh, yeah, something interesting too, like, um, with the, the way the story was being told was it's very much like in the first person, um, mm-hmm. all the way up to that point. Like you're very much in, uh, the young man's kind of perspective. You're only seeing him. Yeah. Only yeah. Seeing his thoughts. Um, and then I think it seems like, um, I watched a little bit of the, I kind of scrubbed through the commentary. Um, and it seems like, um, I remember Nolan saying, uh, something about like switching to third person um in that scene like where he he's taking the um he's like taking the money off and he makes a phone call um but you can't hear the person on the other line and so you like you've it stopped being first person and like now you're you're back like in third person um yeah you can't hear the person on the what the person on the other line is saying and then he's like looking at the photos and um, and it's almost like you're now you're like sitting with them at the table as everything is being revealed in that interrogation sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is like, I think a lot of that stuff is like, it really like takes some extra thought to see what Nolan was doing. Um, and like, it helps me to like appreciate like these kind of like crafty things that he was doing. Um, with these like switches that like really like to the naked eye, like aren't really there. Um, and you, you kind of have to like do some digging and figure out like, Oh, there was like an intentional choice here that like, I didn't even notice. Like I didn't notice it switched to that kind of third person point of view. Um, until I was watching that commentary and I was like, Oh, he's right. Like Mm -hmm. you can um, feel the information beginning to spread and become more wide. But mm-hmm. unless you unless you have that like that benefit of hindsight to understand that yeah. there is a switch happening, you can't really yeah. appreciate it as much. For sure, yeah, and um, yeah, there's there's a lot of like interesting things about this. Like, I think the editing is actually like really good. Um, like I think the there's like that opening sequence where you're kind of like jumping around to different parts of the story. Um like these little like flashes of different parts of the story as he's like opening up the scene, like um, opening up the the police interrogation and telling the story to the officer. Um, And he's, he's, you know, going through the whole like, Oh, but when you like focus in on one face in the crowd, then they become an individual. And right when he says that it's like, it's like the camera's like panning, panning to the right and it land like through a crowd and it lands on Cobb. Um, it lands on Cobb's face and then boom, you're in the interrogation room like that. Yeah. Cut. 
right as soon as it lands. And it lands on his face right when he's saying they become an individual. And it's like lands on his face, cut to the interrogation room. And I thought that was like, man, that was actually like some yeah. really impressive Pretty editing sick, uh, right there. Yeah. Um, yeah, really cool. And then it's paralleled too with that. We kind of talked about it at the end where um, I can't remember exactly what he's saying there at the end when Cobb like disappears. Um, uh, yeah. But it, it's uh, basically like as soon as the cop is like, it was you, then it's like Cobb and then someone like yeah. walks in front of the camera and then Cobb's He's talking gone. through his like his address, like no one ever lived there. It was a man, D. Lloyd mm -hmm. lived there. There's right, no right. Cobb on the record. It's always been you. It was always just you. It was always just you, disappear. and that's when like Cobb disappears. Yeah, and so which uh, which that's like, um, I think Nolan said like they did like waste shots right there, um, mm -hmm. so that like uh, if someone was looking because they're shooting like just in an actual crowd uh, of real people, part of so like if stuff. someone looks at the camera, like it's not going to show because they're yeah. like at waist level with the view. I was like, ah, oh, that's crafty, you know. That is cool. That's yeah. smart. Um, but yeah, that both of those edits are like just like so good, um, and like. I don't know. The last one maybe is a little bit of a gimmick, you could say, but I, I, it really worked for me. I thought it was great. But that first edit, edit I, that we just talked about, I think is like undeniably like really good. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, there's you just see a lot of like just filmmaking craft like that going on for Nolan in this this like debut feature that he's is, clearly I think got really a high good. level of skill already um, yeah that's evident. um yeah there was uh, a, a few more interesting things there's the scene in the restaurant with um i never know if i should call him the young man or bill because we don't actually know if his name is really bill um yeah but uh but yeah bill's easier to say than the young man so i'll just call him bill i like bill, bill. Bill and the blonde in the restaurant was the only scene that was improv. Um, and uh, it's because no one really wanted that scene to feel like real and less scripted. Um, and to be honest, it, it did, but not in a very good way, in my opinion. That's yeah. like one of the weakest, uh, weakest like parts of the movie to me. It feels kind of awkward. Um, and a lot yeah, of that has to do with agree. the acting, not necessarily like anything on Nolan, but uh, more just like the acting wasn't great. Um, but uh, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things. It, uh, it, it was funny listening in the commentary. Nolan was like, yeah, this is the only improv. And he was like, I was super nervous the whole time because, uh, because of the film, like I'm using film. Like I can't, I can't like use a lot of film cause we don't have any money to, to buy more film. And so like, he was like on edge the whole time they were filming that like one improv, uh, scene there in the restaurant. Yeah. Cause a bad I'm improv like, and all of a yeah, sudden exactly. there's a chunk of your film reel. Right. Yeah, which I totally relate to because, like, if we were to record a whole podcast and, like, then, like, all the footage is just, like, unusable, yeah. I'd be, like, I would be I devastated. Be the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Just ruined it uh, all. I would be devastated because, yeah, I'm not making money on this podcast. Not yet, unless someone wants to, you know, donate a lot of that. money. 
yeah. sponsor the establishing shot. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm not making any money on this and I'm putting a lot of work into it uh, because I really love it. And so mm-hmm. like, I can kind of relate to like, man, if, if something just like that I've spent a lot of time on just becomes unusable, like, Oh, that like makes me cringe. Like, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's more of a funny thing. Uh, another funny thing, uh, is the safe. So the safe, um, where obviously all the money and then the, the MacGuffin of the, the pictures, um, is it was, um, Mm. not in their script originally. Um, but they found there was this safe in, um, this bar where they were shooting, where that scene was shot at. And, um, he was like, Oh, we can use, we can like use the safe and write the safe into, into the story. Um, but the funny thing is that they couldn't open the safe. Like the, the people, uh, like the people, I guess that own the bar, like hadn't used it in forever and didn't even like know the combination. And so like, lock of metal. yeah. So if you go back and actually watch, you never actually see the safe open. Um, because of the way he shot it, like as soon as like he's supposed <laughs> to be opening it, I like, I guess they added in some, a sound like of a safe opening and like, yeah. you just see him putting money on top of the safe, uh, like pulling out all the, the cash and throwing it on top. And so like the way the shot is framed, like you just kind of see the very edge of the top of the safe. You don't actually see it open. Which I'm like, man, that's actually like. Really yeah, smart, really creative way um, to to deal yeah. with a problem that you didn't expect like that for sure. Right, and Emma Thomas and Nolan spent like hours and hours on end, like printing, like just photocopy printing all of that uh, cash and like crumpling it up to make it look like there's a cash. lot of cash too. There's <laughs> stacks of yeah. cash. I know. Uh, he was laughing about it in the commentary because he was like, "I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure it's like." A federal offense to print <laughs> print money. Uh, on, don't try and use it. You're yeah. good, Nolan. <laughs> right. Um, I thought that was fun. A uh, fun like little uh, little fact. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. Just kind of closing out. I had mentioned like uh, that we might talk about this. So let's let's get into like the ending of this film. Like what. Here's the okay. Here's the two directions I feel like you can take with this, yeah. Or maybe, well, yeah. Two two directions with one of the directions having like, kind of like a uh, it works for you or it doesn't sort of thing, and that's like the more straightforward, which is like at the end when the reveal of everything that actually was happening, where where like Cobb was like Cobb and the blonde were basically like setting him up, setting the young man up the whole time. But then at the same time, like Cobb is also like setting the blonde up and thus like double setting up. Yeah. The young man setting each other up. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. Like you can take that as like just straightforward. So like when the interrogation is ending and all that's being revealed, like then that's just like what happened. And I guess in that way, like Cobb disappearing there at the end is just kind of like, oh, like he got off scot free um, mm. at the end. And so, like, uh, that's like, I guess, the straightforward way of looking at it, uh, which to me, like, is still makes it like a fun movie, uh, 
like a, a good movie and actually yeah. like a little bit less well no like usually there is a bit of a tragicness to the end of a of a noir i guess um yeah uh, so like it, it follows still following like noir conventions as far as that goes. Um, yeah. but, um, but yeah. And so, and then that can like, obviously, like I said, that can like work for you or just like kind of be dull and not work for mm-hmm. you and be like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, oh, you got me. Um, yeah. you know, I can see having that sort of reaction to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that way, which I feel like probably the first time I watched it, um, uh, I've probably watched it for the first time three, four years ago. I don't remember. Um, that's probably kind of how I saw it. Um, this time I was like really thinking about it afterwards and just like, uh, part of it is just spurred probably by just sticking into Christopher Nolan and really doing a lot of like study for this. Um, mm-hmm. but there's like, there's obviously like either way you look at it, there's the parallel between like this guy, the young man being this like aspiring writer um, with like nothing really to his name. Um, and then, you know, Christopher Nolan is in a similar position where like he he's aspiring to be this filmmaker, this writer and filmmaker, but like not much to his, not really anything to his name not really yeah. anything to work with. Um, and so you have that parallel there, but um, I almost wonder if there's um, a more like, I don't know if you would say meta element, but sort of a meta element to this, where it is actually like much more, it's more like a movie about a film being made um, mm. than like, just supposed to be taken as a straight straight noir but in a way where you can still take it just as a straight noir story if you want to but then there's this like deeper kind of thing going on um yeah but yeah so like so let me explain real quick so you have bill basically the premise that i would the the theory i would have is like that bill is like writing this story through the movie um mm-hmm. like that was one of the questions I had, like I wrote in my notes while I was watching this movie is it keeps cutting to him, like at his typewriter at various points throughout the story. And like the, the simple take is just like that. He's just like kind of taking notes on what he's experienced so that he can write about it later, or or maybe even like writing the story of what's been happening. Um, But I almost wonder if like that is, that actually is like the main thing of what's going on is him writing the story. And so him writing the story is like the center of it all. Um, and then caught like, so that would make, um, I guess you could still take it as a straight noir and everything that they said happened actually happened. Um, or everything like that you see happened actually happened, or you could take it as Cobb actually was like in his head the whole time. Um, and he is so like desperate to make something that he's the one that actually has been like doing all of this stuff. Um, and he's just like been so wrapped up in it and like writing the story with Cobb in it. So Cobb is actually like a character in the story. Um, but 
and he's actually doing all these things kind of like out of his mind, um, thinking that kind of like, you know, like fight the fight club kind of thing. Um, yeah, I think the way that I read it was, or the, my, my theory, if you will, mm -hmm. um, was that the, the film opens on this idea that in a crowd, anyone is anyone. Right. In a crowd, you're you blend in. You're not a part of it, really. But as soon as you lock onto someone, they become an individual. Mm -hmm. And I, th I, my theory is that perhaps um, he is leaning too far into this assumption that, well, as long as I'm in the crowd, I'm not able to be identified. Mm -hmm. And then fabricating these stories in his mind of. Oh well, that person's probably doing this, or that person probably has this going on, or that almost like a like a rear window, uh, Alfred Hitchcock type of thing, where he's fabricating these stories of people that he's watching, and then maybe even taking it a step further to and actually it. do the acts himself. Yeah, um, yeah. And then maybe all of that culminates in kind of what you're saying as a as a him trying to write his story uh, and becoming mm -hmm. so obsessed with the story writing process. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think um I think in that that way like Cobb so like in my like th like melding our our thoughts together I guess like Cobb is um this like driving character. So like go like go back to like their the first burglary he goes to with Cobb and Cobb's going through the whole spiel of like uh take away take take it away and show them what they had and he's going through that whole thing and it's kind of this idea of like what he's doing is actually like helping people which mm -hmm. is probably a little self-deluded but um yeah but it's this idea of like let me shake up um this person's life um and what i'm doing is i'm like revealing something to them about themselves and they're gonna grow as people because of what i've done to shake up their lives um, and I think there's a degree to which like that actually is true to real life. Like when your life is shaken up and you're kind of, things are revealed to you about yourself and you're able to grow through that. Yeah. Like, I think that's, I think there's some truth to that. Um, it's not necessarily like anything super profound or like mega insightful. Um, I think most people would agree with that. Um, yeah. but it's almost like, it's almost like Bill or the young man has like written this character and that even might be too, like why we don't actually like know his name. Like maybe Bill is a character in his story. <laughs> Bill, yeah. like maybe Bill is the character in his story and he like comes up with this name for himself. And, uh, but yeah, he, so Cobb is like this fictional guy he's written into his story, but is also like pretending is real because what, what Cobb, the character is doing is like shaking up his life and making him grow as a writer, um, making him like become interested in writing again, like having some, an idea that's spurring him on. Um, yeah. and, um, and yeah, but, and then it turns out like when he's actually in the t interrogation room and he's like telling this story to the cop, it's actually like all, like it actually all has been him the whole time, but he's just been so wrapped up and kind of out of his mind writing the story that he's really thought Cobb was actually there. 
Um, and maybe, and here's, I guess, where I'll wrap up my theory is he actually didn't have the ending of his story until that moment. So, like, as the cop is telling him, like, pulling out the objects and, like, telling him, like, basically revealing to him that, no, this is you. Um, there never is a, there never was a cop on record. There never was this other murder um, of this old lady or whatever. Um, he's actually like, that's when you start cutting to what happens with Cobb at the end. And I'm almost wondering if like, oh, he's finally like coming up with the ending to his story Yeah, uh, that he's I been writing that. right there. Um, I think it's a really fun take. But he never gets to write it because he's going to the slammer. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he um, will get to write it because he's going to the slammer. Maybe. Now maybe he's got he all the free time. In the yeah, in the slammer. Maybe he maybe he wrote larceny, and that's why we can't see it. Maybe. Mm. Full circle. Full circle. <laughs> but yeah, um, that's my, like, probably, like, totally way off theory of, like, something deeper going on with the movie following, which is yeah. really just Nolan making a noir film that he kind of, like, did something interesting with. <laughs> yeah. I think it's funny yeah. to, to think like that and consider what it might be. Even if you're yeah. completely off base, this is why we watch movies. Right. It's fun. It's fun yeah. to think through these things. I think, um, yeah. What, uh, did you have any like final thoughts on, on this one? Um, just uh, like, I think, I think my final thoughts are kind of uh, what, what our opening thoughts were. Uh, this is this is a flawed film. Um, it's a mm -hmm. film with some some clunky set pieces. It's a film with some uh, really rough acting, uh, even yeah. some some spotty writing. Uh, it's a it's a very imperfect film, uh, but it's a mm -hmm. it's a film that was done on about the tightest budget that you can possibly yeah. make a film one i don't understand how they made a film for that amount of money i that just seems they absurd did, to be able to do that like i've got an iphone that has the ability to record video and i don't think that i could create something as awesome <laughs> as this is um but especially in the context of the rest of his films it's yeah. just it's just a fun first step um because you do mm -hmm. see those threads you do see that inspiration um and it, it's clear that he had the vision from the beginning because throughout his career, he just grows into bigger and bigger and more uh, audacious and, and just more large scale projects. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I, just, I think that this is a fun stepping stone. Uh, it's a fun beginning. It's not perfect, uh, but it's something that, that definitely had all the indications of a, of, a, of a genius and artist, a generational artist in the making. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think it's really cool. He, uh, so when he moved, uh, kind of came to America because there's not really a, there's not really like a festival circuit or at least there wasn't that he could like apply the mm -hmm. film to in England at the time. And so he Got came me. over here and, um, he actually met up with, uh, with Jonathan, which, uh, the family calls him Jonah, uh, Jonathan Nolan, uh, the younger brother, yeah. um, he met up with him and they were basically driving his car from like Chicago to LA. Um, and they were just, Jonathan shared this idea with him about this guy that has amnesia, but he had learned about this type of amnesia that like, wasn't like you forget everything, but just like you can't make new memories basically. 
Um, and so like, he was like sharing this idea with Nolan and then they just like started going off. So like he actually started writing the script for Memento, um, just like in downtime when he was trying to get following, like to get a fest, get like accepted at festivals and stuff. Um, and so like, it was kind of like a, which we'll, we'll talk more about it next, next week, but like. Um, it was kind of like a happy accident that he had Memento ready to go because people, you know, when you run a, f- a film that people are like, oh, this is, there's something to this at festivals, mm-hmm. then, you know, you have people coming to you like, hey, do you have something else? Like, what are you planning on doing yeah. next? And he, he could be like, here's the, like, here's the script, like, read it and let yeah. me know. Check it know. out and give me money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, uh, and that was all she wrote as far as that goes. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll get into more detail about that next week, but, um, but I did have a final yeah. thought, um, just kind of like a takeaway that we can come away with. Um, not so much from like the movie or the narrative itself, but just like, um, that the, the way it was made, I think, um, there's a, there's a quote that I, I don't know if we know exactly where it originated, but I think it's often attributed to Orson Welles, um, that says the enemy of art is the absence of limitation. Um, and I think that's true, not mm-hmm. just with art, um, but with anything like any sort of creative endeavor, whether it's like, um, you know, we create cre- art is what we typically think of as creative, but really like anything that you're making or building, whether it's a business or a family or whatever it might be is a creative endeavor. Um, yeah. And so like I was just thinking about like that idea applied to art for people that like are artist creators but also like just to to all the listeners that um might not be an artist but still like are create have these other creative endeavors in their life and that like when we try we often like see limitations as like barriers but um, but I, I I do love this quote and and how it applies to what Christopher Nolan was able to do. Um, him and his like crew were able to make with like basically nothing. Like they had nothing but limitations. But he he sparked the beginning of like just a an incredible career um, yeah. of of creativity. And so I don't know. I was just thinking about like man, that's that's something that we can all really take away with. Um, you know, you have this guy that had these just like thought experiments going on in his head about crowds and social, uh, constructs and like stuff. And that grew into a story that he made into a film. Um, and like that, that film was made like with, with like these innovations that like came out of the limitations he was facing and man, it grew a whole career that like blossomed um, an, an incredible career with someone that I feel like is at this point is like as much of a Hollywood household name as you can get these days. Like, oh, yeah. Well, um, this is his only film to not be in the IMDb top 250. Yeah. Like this yeah, is the so, only one that is considered a miss. Like he's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I'm just just thinking about like. just you know, something we can take away, like don't let limitations in your life to whatever limitations you might be facing. Like don't see it as an obstacle, but see it as something, um, that 
gives you space to like innovate and be creative and like find new ways to do things. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just thought that was a, a fun, cool takeaway. Yeah. That's a great note. Um, yeah. What, um, so let's do our, um, arbitrary ratings. Um, yeah, completely. I, I give this a objective. solid three and a half stars. Um, because I, I think it's a fun movie and, um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sitting right below you. I think I'm at a three. At a three. I think um, a three is good. Yeah. A good a good score. I'm probably giving it um it's it's kind of inevitable when you do so much study on something that you appreciate it uh more. Um, yeah. but I I think probably like a three is probably a good score for it. Um, yeah. I, I'm giving it the extra half star just because of all the I mean just like making something like this with no budget is just like super impressive to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so that's probably where my extra half star comes from. But yeah, yeah. the acting is like really bad in this. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, there's it's just, there's definitely it's some a big movie. Flaws. It's a movie with no cinematographer, no editor, no sound yeah. editor with it's, one actor that continued to do any kind of work there. Yeah. So like objectively outside of like the, the behind the scenes things, it's really not, mm -hmm that it's a it's a good film but it's it's not mm -hmm. that great of a film but with the hindsight of this was the budget this was the films that came after as soon as this yeah. guy was given a budget uh it, right. it definitely it's definitely not anything that i think that you should keep below a two and a half star if you start oh, dropping yeah. below that halfway point then you're doing something wrong there yeah yeah and uh, i think I, I think pretty much consensus is this that this is like either Nolan's worst film or at least like the lowest tier of yeah. his films. Um, and not because he missed any, any right. uh, notes or anything, but just because he didn't have the means to do it yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was figuring it out too. This was like, um, you know, Nolan didn't go to film school. This was his film. Like making this film was his film school. Yeah. Um, he was learning, he was learning how to do it as he went. Um, yeah. So yeah, really impressive. Um, uh, yeah, I would say definitely for sure low tier. Um, I don't know. It, I'll have to see where I land after we make it through the filmography as far as like, is it at the very bottom or um, is that like something like Tenet or Insomnia or yeah. you know, Dark Knight Rises? Like, um, but it's definitely and I, I know for a fact it'll be it'll end up like in the lowest tier of Nolan films yeah. for sure. But yeah. 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 Next week we've got uh Memento, which should be really fun. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. Um it's been uh yeah, it's been a minute since I watched Memento and so I'm actually looking forward to it. Um yeah. Memento was yeah. the first uh one that I dove into after Interstellar. Uh, okay, yeah. So I I, I feel like that's a good memories. one. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that's a good like if you're getting into like the Interstellar like popular like Nolan film, then like jumping back to Memento is a good, really good place to start. It's a, it's um, a nice in between. It's not too far over the top. But yeah. It's not indie like this, uh, yeah, yeah. but it still has that like noir feel. Yeah. I'm excited to hear y'all talk about it. Yep. So that'll be next week. Uh, for now, we're going to take a quick break and, uh, come back with a uh, movie draft. Uh, the movie draft is back, baby. And, uh, draft. Yeah. I'm ready. Um, we might, 
we might not riff on some movie news. We might not. We'll see. You'll have to come back after the break and, uh, and find out. So we will see you in just a minute. Hey, everyone. Thank you for joining us on The Establishing Shot today. We hope you're enjoying the episode so far, and we hope you'll stick around for the segments we have coming up after this quick break. But uh, during this break, I wanted to tell you how you can get more involved with The Establishing Shot podcast. There are several ways you can do this. The main way you can do it is by going to establishingshotpod.com our website where you can find all sorts of information like uh, episodes with the show notes on there, uh, information about our guests for each episode. You can find uh, reviews there uh, and uh, there's a page where you can actually leave a review on the website if you want to. You can see all the platforms where the podcast is available like Apple, Spotify, all the major podcast platforms and even uh, a link to our YouTube page where you can see a video version of the podcast. So uh, please go to the website. And uh, the place I want to highlight there is our donate page, uh, which has information about our Establishing Shot family. This is a way that you can subscribe to the podcast to support all the efforts and uh, the just the stuff that goes into making this podcast good and making it better than it even is now. We have different tiers that you can subscribe to. Uh, starting at $5. And what this will do is you'll be able to support the podcast, help me make it better. And also at the same time, you'll get early and ad-free episodes. You'll get access to our Discord server where you can join in and just kind of talking about movies with a community that loves uh, film. And so we, we would love to have you in there. Uh, and then the higher up in the tiers you go, the more you get. Uh, even things like... Uh, chats and video chats that we'll do uh, every once in a while where we get to talk about uh, in more detail stuff that we're talking about on the podcast. So I hope you'll subscribe to that. Uh, choose a tier that fits uh, your budget. And uh, I would love for you to support the podcast in that way. And uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, is where you can find us on social media. Uh, you can find me personally on Twitter at the Eli Price. And you can also follow me on Letterboxd. Letterboxd is kind of like a social media for movie reviews. So you can read my reviews there and you can find me there at just Eli Price, you know, no, no spaces or anything. Uh, so I'm on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find the podcast on all the uh, social platforms as well, such as Twitter at eShotPod and then on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok at EstablishingShotPod. So make sure to follow us so you don't miss anything. If you have uh, any questions or comments about the episode or about the podcast, you can always email us at establishingshotpod at gmail.com. And the very last thing I want to do before you get back into the episode today is just ask you to please go to Spotify and Apple and leave some ratings and reviews that really helps the visibility of the podcast and gets it in more people's podcast feeds. And so we hope you will do that for us and we would greatly appreciate it. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode and I will see you next time on the Establishing Shot podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Establishing Shot. Uh, we had a great time talking about 
Christopher Nolan's debut feature film, Following. Um, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it was a good discussion. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I was I had mentioned something about it earlier, and my wife was like, "Oh, it's just following. It's not the following." I was like, "No, it's just following." I probably said the following a handful of times, and I'm gonna get roasted by everyone for saying the following. I don't, I don't think you did. I don't. I because pro- I probably would have made a joke about it if you did. Probably would have. Because when I pulled it up too, I saw the following, a TV show with the TV Ethan show. Hawk. Yeah, that's pretty right. solid, you know, but not the same thing at all. Okay. It's about a cult and stuff. That show. It's um, about a crazy cult. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. I forgot that that was a thing until just now. I knew there was a show called The Following. I just forgot that that's what it was about. Yeah, murders Uh, all turning into crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, typically we do, you know, some movie news and a movie news segment. But, man, I just, like, I have nothing to talk about as far as movie news goes. We're in like a total lull. Uh, we yeah. were texting before uh, earlier today and just like, man, do you have anything you want to talk about for movie news? And, uh, it's like, there's nothing. I don't know. It's, it's just a dull time right now. And the writer's yeah. strike has kind of put a damp on the actor's strike has kind of put a damp on, uh, on just everything. Yeah, movies yeah. right now. It's hard to really talk about really, anything. It's hard to even get excited about anything. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, they, they, I'm reading Killers of the Flower Moon right now and okay. getting hyped up for something like that. But there's there's how, not... How far into it are you? I am... I think I'm, I got a Kindle last week. So it says that I'm 21% of the way through. Nice. So I'm learning all about the Osages and their yeah. unfortunate endings. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. I, I probably will not get to read the book before i see the movie but um yeah if it's yeah, i'll definitely interest, be hitting you up to it's to really find out it's more. really fun like yeah. it's a very well done book cool yeah that's that's good that's what i've heard um i've heard that the book is very good um yeah yeah oh uh old marty i cannot resist seeing the new marty movie so yeah, yeah. i think but, this yeah. will be the first martin scorsese film that i see in theaters like I just don't, I just don't recall ever seeing I'm, anything. I'm trying to think if I have or not. Because the most recent was The Irishman, and that, yeah, was, that was straight, straight to Netflix. Netflix. I don't think it showed so, in theaters here. In yeah. Lafayette. Um. Dude, don't tell them where we're from. They're gonna stalk us. Yeah. <laughs> go go ahead. It would be the <laughs> most boring stalking you job you it ever would have. Be. Um. But yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I have seen any Scorsese movies in theater now that I think about it. Yeah, I can't um, think of anything. Uh, let's see. Let's pull up. Let's pull it up. Have I seen any of these in theater? I haven't. Is the most recent That's one sad? Uh, before Irishman, what is it? Shutter Island, or am I too far no, back? Silence. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think I would have wanted to go see that traumatizing movie oh, in man. theaters. That is, that, it's, yeah. It's an incredible film, but... Whew. It's an incredible movie, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Very, I'm like, like, come on, Callie, bring your friends. Let's go to a <laughs> movie night. <laughs> they all walk out yeah. traumatized. I saw Shutter Island, like, not 
like far removed from its release, but I didn't see it in theaters. Yeah, um, that would have been fun. Yeah. Experience that was. I did watch The Color of Money the other day. Uh, yeah, I've for seen the first time. Yeah, it was really good. It's like um, it's almost like Paul Newman teaching Tom Cruise how to be like a charismatic movie star, uh, but in the form of hustling billiards. Um, Great. I love movies yeah. that are in like super specific spots of oh yeah like you know There's, like uh, like moneyball super specific yeah uh anything like that it just fires yeah, the me color out. of money there's a lot of there's a lot of balls banging around on the table so whoa all through the movie it's yeah, i um, love that stuff yeah a lot of uh it's it's funny it's almost like uh scorsese's just like let me see how many fun ways I can follow a, a, a billiard ball across a pool table. Like beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, you should check it out. It's on, I, um, yeah. it's on Paramount plus. I just might. Uh, yeah. Okay, great. So I think yeah. my mom has Paramount plus I'll hack into her account. Mm. Yeah. You go. Sharing pa- Stop sharing passcodes. I don't share passcodes. I... <laughs> is it, is it, are you standing with, sag afra if you share passcodes because technically you're taking money like... away from hmm so here's what i've heard but then they don't have enough money to pay them so standing with sag afra is like only for people that are actually in in sag yeah they're like if you're not in sag then like keep doing there's what no, you do i support you don't get me wrong keep but, watching yeah, movies no... and reviewing them and all that they're like yeah Great. keep doing it yeah. That sounds good. I'll I'll keep that's doing the, that. Yeah, that's what I've heard. That's what I read somewhere, and I don't know how reliable that source was, but it made sense to me because they're like, we can't do press for it, but the movies are for you. We want you to still enjoy them. Okay, sort of thing. So I'm on board. Great. Yeah. I'll keep watching. It's movies. not like at this. It's not like at this point, movies that are already made. It's not like. They yeah, can they can't do anything, make, yeah. remake money off of it. They already got paid what they're gonna get paid for yeah. that movie. I don't think at any point they've called for like a boycott or anything. They're just not happy. Yeah, which is yeah, they're just yeah. I mean, I I feel like there's legit for for sure legitimacy to all of it as far as like what I've seen, like the sorts of like contracts that these people are having to sign and whatnot. It's like it's ridiculous. Like yeah, no, it is uh, absolutely. Like residuals that are like, I mean, like someone's get. Uh, there's a movie that's making like, I don't know, like hundreds of millions of dollars, and you're getting like a residual of like fifty bucks, a check in the mail for like fifty bucks. It's like, yeah, what? Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah, that was our very random. Movie news. Movie news. Movie news. news. Yeah, there's there wasn't much news. More just, I guess it was like news about like what what we like about what Scorsese movies we haven't seen in theaters, and news about like what Scorsese movie I watched most recently. So there's that. And what there's your news. What the news about what book you have read that Scorsese is adapting. Or yes. you're reading currently. Anyways. All of the news that we shared, you could get from a very quick Google spurt, Google search and a visit yeah. to Eli's letterbox page and my Goodreads account. Yes. That would tell you there everything you, you need to know. So there just go. go do that. 
And then yeah, linked in the show the, description. Hayden's good not reads account. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not really. I'm not yeah, gonna no. link your good reads. No, please don't. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's movie news or the lack thereof. Uh, and now we're gonna we're gonna move on to our movie draft because this is that's what the people want. The people want the movie the draft. They want Sorry, the draft. Neighbor. Uh, yeah, I can, I can't scream cause I have like a baby asleep, a room I'm, over. So I'm home alone uh, and there's a young, young couple next door. They are, they're, they're definitely still awake as we're recording this at nine, at 10, 15 at night. So <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Movie draft. It's draft time. I'm draft ready. time. Um, so here's what we're doing. If, well, if this is your first time listening to a movie draft, here's how it works. We pick a category of some sort to of movies to draft from, and we take turns picking films from that category to be on our uh, film team, if you will. And, uh, yeah, the goal is to build the best team so that when, when I put the poll on social media, that I win because I drift, drafted the best team. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Naturally. <laughs> but yeah, um, this is, a uh, okay. So this is our third draft together. So I think it's back to you picking first. You picked first the first time I picked first the second time. Now it's oh, back to no. you. You get the now first I'm, pick. Now I'm nervous. Um, yeah, I do have, uh, I do have a new sound when you, whenever you're ready to make your pick, just let me know. All right. I'm going to use the same strategy that I always use in this draft. All right, here we go. Which is no strategy. <laughs> With the first pick, I'm going to take what sat in the American moviegoers' minds as quite possibly the greatest film of all time until it was dethroned in some of the recent sight and sound news. I'm going to take Orson Welles' Citizen Kane. Yes. I mentioned it earlier. I was wondering if uh, that was on your radar, but yeah, Citizen Kane, great first pick. I I did not know that that was a debut, which is just mind-boggling. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah that's it is ridiculous. mind-boggling that he's just like right out of the gate, home run, best film ever made. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> like, I don't understand how. I don't happens, either. But yeah, well, you can watch Mank and find out. Oh yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can watch. Was that Fincher? Very, was that, yeah, right? yeah, David yeah, Fincher. Watch, it was okay. One of, one of Fincher's lower tiers, but yeah, there's the story. It was, it was fine, you know. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, great, great pick. I mean, I I think that is probably should be like the 101 for this category. Yeah, um, I think it's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, uh, I'm going in. Man, it's one of those things like. Uh, man, I always run into this problem of my favorite ones are maybe ones that aren't going to win, win me the draft, <laughs> but I also yeah. still want to pick my favorite ones. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to, uh, follow suit and not pick a couple of my favorite ones and, uh, pick a more classic one. And, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Cindy Lou May's debut in 12 angry men. Have you well, ever seen I mean, 12 Angry Men? 
I have not. That's one of the ones it's a that great movie. I, I know. It's I need just to see good. it. Good. I know. It's that's it's one of the one ones of where films. I was. I was like, I'm not going to tell you that I haven't seen it and refuse to pick it because I haven't seen it because then you just <laughs> pick it as your last spot, and yeah. that would make me sad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to reveal movies you haven't seen. Yeah, that happened. Uh, that happened uh, actually the last week for the last draft. Um, JP kind of uh, let slip that he had only seen a, one particular film from a director, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I can save this one for last in the draft." Then, <laughs> Oof, man, that's <laughs> oh, tough. Yeah, uh, that's tough. Yeah, you never know what what I'll be thinking when we're talking through movies in the in the first segment. So. Watch out. Yeah, I, I forgot to hit the sound for myself. I'm going to hit it post. I'm going to say it again. Great. With the second pick, I'm choosing 12 Angry Men. Okay, that was pretty fun. All 12 of them? Yeah, all 12 of the men, particularly Henry Fonda. Great. Um, I am Fonda, Henry Fonda. Ooh. Was, yeah. That was spicy. That. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All right you ready? sound me. You ready? Yes. With the third pick, I'm going to select a film that heavily inspired the film that we discussed today Ooh. with Quentin Tarantino's debut masterpiece, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Man, that's the a good dogs pick. Of the reservoir. Man, you're off to a strong start. I'm really. You've got me kind of shaking in my boots, to be honest. I'm, I'm feeling good, but there's there's still like two or three more that I saw on my on my list that I was looking through that I had not seen that yeah. make me really nervous. Oh man, yeah, um, yeah, the, man, Reservoir Dogs is a good pick. It's actually I'm not like super high on Reservoir Dogs. I think it's good, um, but it's it's like it's probably my least favorite Tarantino, um, mm -hmm. which I know other people like, it's like, yeah. they love it. But, um, but it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a, a low tier Wes Anderson, you know, yeah. still a four star, even though it's not personal right. favorite. My right. the reason I love reservoir dogs is because, um, if there's any nerds listening to this podcast, um, I have a deep appreciation and love for the classic Japanese manga and anime one piece. Mm -hmm. And Sanji okay. is one of the characters that just kicks people the whole time, and he's based on Steve Buscemi's character, uh, Mr. Pink, I believe is, is what oh, wow. Steve Buscemi was from Reservoir Dogs. So yeah, the kicking is yeah one piece. I don't know. I don't know that he actually kicks anybody, but his like, yeah. he wears a suit, smokes a cigarette the whole time. So that's kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, song. Uh, who is it? Uh, is it Song Ko and Memories of Murder? Bong Joon Ho's movie. That's just like. Yeah. Drop kicking people the whole movie. Golly, the whole movie, dude. They drop kick so <laughs> many people in that film. Like, oh man, in the, yeah, in, the um, in the Korean barbecue, just like taking people out. Awesome. Oh, for sure, just taking people out. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, I should mention. I forgot to to lay down um, one of the rules that we decided on. Oh yes, um, people are probably yeah. thinking. Where's, yeah, they're like, why, they? why didn't you take Lady Bird by Greta Gerwig? Or why didn't you take Get Out by Jordan Peele? And that's because we, we kind of decided arbitrarily that um, the director needed to have more than three films. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know why. I guess, like, my reasoning behind that was just, like, 
you need to be able to because like the whole point of this is like well we're we're talking about christopher nolan's um first film and how like it's influenced you know his career like and shown uh but like if like you're only three movies in it's kind of like hard to see that sometimes and like i don't know it's it is very arbitrary but i'll i was like well let's let's kind of cut out some of the people to make this a little more interesting um so yeah yeah there's there's some that like there's some on my list that are like that i absolutely love like after sun from last year by charlotte wells Mm. i absolutely loved but that's her only movie so yeah (laughs) uh it's not on the board Another couple of notable ones: Hereditary, Ari Aster oh, yep. was removed. Yep. The, Witch. Uh, the Witch. Oh, mm-hmm. Robert Eggers, that one. That one. Yeah, hurt. You know uh, what other one? Synecdoche, New York. Not really? draftable. Did yeah. uh, Kaufman Charlie has Kaufman only directed? Made... Yep, three. Synecdoche, New films. York, Anomalisa, and uh, I'm thinking of any things. Or is only wow. three directorial efforts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was sad. looking at. It, I was like, man, no. Yeah. Well, no, that's one of the ones that I hadn't seen. So now it makes me happy that yeah. you can't draft that one. <laughs> can't even draft it. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, let's backtrack a little bit since we had to take that aside to clarify yeah. the rules. Um, yeah. Citizen Kane went first to Hayden. Then I took 12 Angry Men, all 12 of them. And uh, of them. then Hayden took all of the Reservoir Dogs. The Dogs of the Reservoir. Uh, so yeah, I'm. It's the fourth overall pick. My second pick. Um, the sound. The sound. Don't forget the sound. The fourth overall pick of the director's first features draft. I'm selecting Michael Mann's Thief. Wonderful pick that was on my list. Great pick, Oof. and just a great Thief, man. Man. Just a thief. Fun movie. What man. a film, right? Oh like, yeah, I could watch, everything. I could, I could watch those like close-ups of someone like welding something for, like welding through a safe, like sparks flying. Like, give oh me yeah, more of that in the in the movie theater. You know what I mean? James Con just a joy. Oh yeah, yeah. James Con just like wreaking havoc up in those banks. You know what I'm saying? Like. That's what I want to see. Oh yeah, man, that's a it's a good movie. I actually watched that like probably less than a year ago for the first time. I was like, man, what a great start to a career, thief. Yeah, man. Anyways, that was my pick. I I I have other ones that I like more, but um, but yeah, I felt like that was a good uh, get me back in the in the competition kind of pick. That's so, oh, yeah. that's a great pick. That was definitely on my list, for sure. All right, you ready? I think so. With the fifth pick, I'm going to take a Frenchman's English film. I'm going to take okay. Frent Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption. Ooh. I was not the aware Shawshank that it was a Redemption. debut. But it was filled with joy. Either. Whenever I saw it. Oh, you've got. I mean, you're. That wasn't even on my list because I didn't even realize that was an option. 
And then I was trying to count his films to make sure because I, I frankly have not, <laughs> I'm not familiar with Frank Darabont. Yeah. But yes. Frank Darabont. Yep. Yes. I mean, The Green Mile is obviously like yeah. one. Um, I've heard of The Mist. I'm pretty sure. I've seen it. It's really fun and it's really messed yeah. up. Gotcha. Uh, but I have yeah, not heard Shawshank. of Mob City. Shawshank. Oh, that was a t- TV That's a good show. I've not heard of Man, the Majestic. Man, not on my list? Fourth. Totally missed it. Ugh. Just totally missed it. My research failed me. Man. Man. Yeah. Gosh, I'm I'm falling behind on this one. I'm not going to even be able to pick like my my personal favorites. <laughs> how many are we um, going? Are we going Let's just see how it goes cuz I know your <laughs> list is very limited. Well, <laughs> so, you know, We'll pick at least five each, I think. Okay, great. Let's see if we can get to seven. Okay, great. Um, I like the seven number. I think that's a good... I as uh, well. I just like it. Um, Okay. Man, how do I stay in this? Um, I feel like I'm falling behind. I might just end up having to, like, pick my favorites and just, like, let it be what it is at this point. Just have fun Uh, with it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and go with... You know what? I'm going to go with one of my favorite ones just to be safe, just in case you have this on the back burner. I'm going with Brad Bird's The Iron Giant. Great pick. Oh, I love The Iron Giant. Just it's a, such a, a wonderful <laughs> film. It's such a good movie, man, and it gets me every time. Like, dude, that man, robot himself, just like The Iron Giant, dude sacrificing himself like oh man oh yeah so it's powerful brad bird and he's had a good career man ratatouille both incredibles movies um, wow and then even ghost protocol did you know he directed ghost protocol i did not know he directed ghost protocol that's yeah, exciting. impossible ghost protocol brad bird um and tomorrowland but that was i never saw it but Really bad reviews. I heard it. Yeah, I heard it wasn't the best. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the Iron Giant. I feel like if anything could get me back in the race, it's maybe the Iron Giant. Yeah. But yeah, you'll strike some. You'll strike some some dads that have shown that movie and have fond memories with their kids. And Mm. all right. Yeah. All right. Your pick is up. With the seventh pick of the directorial debut film draft. I'm going to take Spike Jones's first feature film mm-hmm. in being John Malkovich. Great pick. Uh, definitely adore. high up high up Day on John my Malkovich. list for sure. Yeah. It's just a ton of fun. It's super unique. The film style is just so interesting. Spike Jones has had such a, a unique career. Yeah. Um, just he's just For made sure. some really fun stuff. He's got a, a, a comfy spot in my heart. Um, and being John Malkovich, uh, I I actually hadn't seen it, and it was recommended so highly by a friend that I purchased a Criterion copy before Ooh. even seeing the film, um, and then firing it up. I remember finishing watching it with my wife. And I was like, holy crap, I can't believe movies like that exist. This is so fun. And she was like, was that was weird. Movie. Why was it, it in New was Jersey? Weird. Why were they in his head? Why were those <laughs> scenes included? And I was like, don't 
Don't worry about Malkovich it. scene. And if you've seen Being John Malkovich, when I say the Malkovich scene, you know what I'm exactly what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. <laughs> like what a wild, what a wild sequence that is. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. Malkovich. And just uh, what was it? What's her? My brain's. The moment. tunnel is really disgusting too. It's so gross. It it's almost me like out. fleshy. <laughs> yes. And um, what's a uh, Cameron Diaz man? It's just like so fun. Like oh yeah. She's not playing on the like overly attractive character. She, she's mm-hmm. like the one that is getting her man stolen, and that's just a fun dynamic there to see her in it. I just yeah, big fan of being John Malkovich. Yeah, yeah, great pick. All right. With the eighth pick of the draft, I'm going with this is Spinal Tap. Oh yes, great movie, dude! I love it. it's so funny, um, so fun. Yeah, this is Spinal Tap, directed by Rob Reiner. Went on to direct things such as When Harry Met Sally, Stand by Me, The Princess Bride, A Few Good Men. Some wow. good, really good movies, actually. A hilarious start to an absolutely incredible run of movies. Yeah. Uh, this is Spinal Tap is one that like has a Criterion uh, disc, but it's like it's not being printed anymore for some reason, which is really huh. sad because I would love to to have that. Yeah, um, well, I know that's a very important movie to you. I've heard you talk about it all yeah. the time. Well, it's like this is Spinal Tap. If for those people who have not seen this movie, it is a 1984 mockumentary about this like hair metal group um and they're on tour they're, the name of the band is the fictional band is this is spinal uh, the name of the fictional band is spinal tap um yeah it's it's a mockumentary and like the genius like the genius of it is they create these like scene scenarios and like probably like 80 90 percent of the dialogue is like improvised like they come up with this concept for the scene and then like the two leads just like improvise all of these lines. And it's a mockumentary about this like brand band and the drama in the band. It's really actually absolutely hilarious and kind of like sparks the mockumentary style of yeah. like film and TV really. Um, like before the office was even like conceived of, this was Spinal Tap was was out there in the world, making people laugh. Um, yeah, that's my that's my pick. So, uh, great, you're up again. Let me make sure that this next pick that I want is. Oh, that hit the sound too early. Hold on, let me. I just want to. I just want to make sure that I don't break any rules. Okay. Sure. Okay. I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna break the rules. Okay. Should great. I hit We're it good. again? Hit it one more time. Intro. Let's go. With the ninth pick and my fifth pick, I'm going to take Alex Garland's directorial debut in a film that I love very deeply, Ex Machina. Ex Machina. Does he have more than three? He's got... No, he doesn't. He's not credited for one of them. I'm so sorry. Run it back, Uh, run it back, run it back. 
He's not credited for one. Fine, I'll take a me pick. You took a you pick. I take a me pick. And my P, me pick is going to be a film that I picked in the last draft because I just love this film. And I'm going to just keep picking it as often as I can. And I'm going to take Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead. Actually, you I took... Uh, the Evil Dead. Did you take Evil Dead the, last draft? Or did was I take, it Army of I Darkness? I took Army of Darkness. I took the Yeah, Darkness. yeah. So now I just need to draft Evil Dead 2, and then I'll have the whole trilogy in my draft. The whole trilogy. Uh, yeah, The Evil Dead. I still haven't seen it, seen those, so I need to get, get with it on those for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, as far as I know, great pick, but I haven't seen it, so can't really speak to it. But yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah, it's, a, it's a film I love. It's not. I mean, he has Ex Machina. He has Annihilation. Annihilation. Am I missing one? And, and Men from last year. The, men, the yeah, rather disappointing men. men. That's three. Yeah, um, he did direct I, uh, Devs, the miniseries, but that doesn't count. Yeah, he and they announced the film for him next year, and that was what the review ah. is. I saw that one announced yeah. for next year in the same list, and I was like. Dang it. Just missed yeah. it. That's fine. Anyway, men, Ex Machina. Men great did film. not really uh Men didn't really do it for me. I was disappointed because I absolutely love Ex Machina and Annihilation. And Annihilation, and yeah. Um, and Devs. Yeah. Devs is a great little mini I've never seen Devs. Did you? Oh, you need to see it. Nick Offerman is one of the leads. Um and he's yeah. like really incredible in it. Um okay. very different role than Parks and Rec, but yeah, really good. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend. It's not that it's not like a big commitment because it's just like um, one miniseries, like one season, eight episodes or so. Um, okay, sweet. Or maybe even less. So it's not a big commitment, and it's like really like an intriguing like sci-fi concept. I think. Okay. Um, Great. Do you I have, have my enough five. to keep going? I I think so. I could go to seven. Well, you have seven. Yeah, you have five. I have. Four. Yeah, let's go to seven. Let's do it. Great. Um, okay, so I need to do my, my fifth pick. This yes. is this is gonna be good because um I need to really try to fit some some good stuff in here. We're halfway through, so with the t- is this the tenth? The tenth yes. pick? Number ten. Uh my fifth pick. I'm gonna go ahead and go with Blood Simple. The debut of the Cohen brothers. Another that one on that I list? unfortunately haven't seen. That was the third oh, one that I had considered that I haven't seen. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Tell great, me about it. Is, uh, it. is it great? Great neo noir. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you watch it and you're like, yeah, the Cohen brothers, they're, they're it. They're, yeah. uh, they're, you know, let's, let's watch more of these, you know? It's yeah. um, it's not like my favorite Coen Brothers movie by any means, but it's like a really, really, really solid neo noir film. Um, you know, and I feel like um, Nolan's following is is very noir, but like, even though he's like playing with the narrative structure, you know, like we talked about, um, it still feels kind of throwback. Um, it kind of has that like more throwback classic feel. Whereas like, this is very much like neo-noir, like it's a noir, but it's like, they're doing something new with it. it you know, it's, yeah. it's, mo- it's very like modern. Um, 
Yeah, another 1984 pick, man. Wow. This is Spinal Tap and Blood Simple both in the same year. That's that's man, that's saying something. What a year for movies. Oh yeah, it really was. 1984 really actually was a really great movie. Yeah, really incredible movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, you ready? I think so. With the eleventh pick, I'm going to take a movie that I've seen many times, a movie that I grew up watching, a movie that I love. I'm going to take Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay, I've actually never curve seen there. Fast Times. I love Fast Times. It just makes me happy. Who Who's the director? I don't actually know off the top of my head, which makes me upset. It was like a movie <laughs> I watched on TV all the time. Oh man. I actually uh, love it when that happens. I know. It's really sad. Yeah. Directed by, drum roll, directed by Amy Heckerling, who would go on to direct <laughs> a couple of random films um, and then knock it out the park in 1995 with Clueless. Um, but Fast nice. Times at Ridgemont High, just a, a really fun yeah. movie. Spicoli. Yeah. For great things. Just haven't seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I am back up. Wait, where are we? We're at six? We're at six, yes. So this will be pick 12. So I've got two more picks. And I'm not going to be able to get in all the really good movies. I made like a way too long list for this draft. Um, That's why I I usually go like one or two under double the picking list. That's usually my goal. So I don't get overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm like totally overwhelmed. Um... I'm going to go ahead and take um, this one that I feel like you probably haven't seen and maybe a lot of people haven't seen, but this is going to be my main, like, I'm picking this so that hopefully people will, like, see it for the first time and then go watch it, and that is Ryan Johnson's Brick. Brick. Um, Oh, wait. Hold on. Yeah, play your music. Back it up. With the twelfth pick, I'm going with Ryan Johnson's debut film, Brick. Which I'm pretty sure I just said like film instead of film. Film. That's, that was weird. Brick um, film. <laughs> uh, Brick is so good. It's. Have you seen it? I have not seen Brick, unfortunately. Oh man, you've got you've got like little boy JGL. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I I do love young like, GGL. Just delivering the most like bizarre like run of dialogues you've ever heard a teenager spout out in a high school movie. This is okay, so here's what Brick is. Take a pretty violent noir film and mix it with like a high school coming of age film. Yeah, and like meld those two together, and like the strange movie that you have in your head, it's that, but done to like the greatest degree. Like, it's a great movie. That's awesome. That's so yeah. fun. You need to go watch it. For I, like, I will. I need move to it, see it. Move it up the list. Okay, it's great. worth rent. It's worth renting. It's not streaming anywhere right now, but it's worth I'm, renting for sure. I've got Blood Simple and Brick queued up. Brick is good. So Ryan Johnson obviously went on to to direct uh, the likes of Looper, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, the two Knives Out 
movies with Daniel Craig. Um, yeah, he's he's had a good good career and apparently going to just keep going. Um, Great. Yeah, but Brick is actually my favorite Ryan Johnson movie still, like to this day. Um, out of all these great movies, I like Brick the most. I think he started off probably too hot, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I've got a really funny curveball of a seventh pick. All right, let's do this. Might cost me. With the golly, what number are we on? Thirteenth pick of the directorial <laughs> debut draft. I'm gonna come at you with a curveball. Um, I'm gonna come at you with a movie that was probably nowhere near your list, not even a hint of it. Um, but I'm going to take the legendary Tyler Perry's first directorial debut with Medea's family reunion by Rain. I Medea is on the list. Probably the only time Medea <laughs> will make it to a draft list. But Medea's oh, family man. reunion. <laughs> I've is never my seen final any Medea pick. movie. <laughs> Boom. Tyler that might Perry. Win you the draft. That might be like the pick that like that wins you the draft right there. I'm trying to get like me all, a curveball. The Medea hive is coming out to vote. Yes. <laughs> if you're if you're a part of the Medea I was trying to find a fun name for like the Medea the Medea. If you're the Medea the Med- family, you could come to the Medea's family yeah. reunion with me and my draft yeah. pick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, never, I've ne- never seen any Medea movie ever. <laughs> really my cousin is in the Christmas one. Oh, my cousin is an ex. He's an extra. I mean, you, I don't even know if you see him, but he's in there. Foster, shout just... out to Foster, extra in uh in the Medea Christmas movie. Um, they shot it in uh in Mc- part of it in McDonough, Georgia, which is wow. where the area that I'm from originally. Um, uh, fun fact, yes. as I'm scrolling through this Wikipedia page, Tyler Perry is the fourth highest listed name in Gone Girl, which is oh yeah, he's I forgot the fourth that. build name in Gone Girl. So yeah. that's, I'm I'm just scrolling he through. Play, he played a now. pretty significant role in that movie, and from what I remember, he, yeah, was he like was he like the FBI or something? I don't know. People are gonna be mad at me for not remembering. Remember. It's been a long time. Yeah. Oh man, Tyler Perry. So. Here's where, like, I'm really like, man, where do I go? Because there, I don't know. There's some really good movies still out there. Um, oh, we'll yeah. do honorable mentions to to throw in all these other great movies. Love that. Yeah. There's one movie that I feel like probably should be picked. Um, that's not as high as others on my list. Um, man. Oh man, this is really hard. Okay. I'm going between two picks. One movie I like more than the other, but the other might be a more recognizable director. So I'll do this. I'll go ahead and draft my favorite of the two since I've already lost this draft, I think. Um, and uh, we'll just talk about honorable mentions later. I'm going to go with Terrence Malick's Badlands. Um. Terrence Malick is one of my favorite directors. Um, just makes these incredibly poetic films. Um, but yeah, Badlands is um, 
It's an interesting movie. It's uh, it stars Martin Sheen, uh, as this uh, he's kind of like, it's basically like um, a bit of a Bonnie and Clyde ish kind of movie, uh, but they're like younger. Uh, it's Martin Sh- Martin Sheen and Sissy Spacek, um, uh, kind of like on this like road trip after there's uh someone is killed um kind of like trying to escape the law sort of thing um and they're on this road trip and uh it's really like so like malik is just like obviously known for his like just beautiful visuals um and it's this like really like strange dark like weird store like character kind of study um but with the background of this like beautiful like wide open like midwest landscape that's like and just incredibly beautiful and so it's um i don't know um it's not my favorite malik uh but uh just like a really fantastic first like debut feature film um and like sort of like others that we've talked about through this draft just like kind of shows um i don't know like tinges of what the rest of their career will kind of look like as far as like the movie types of movies they make so yeah yeah badlands i haven't seen terrence malick uh, i haven't seen it but any terrence malick pick is a good pick so yeah 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 for sure that's what um that's what i was talking about last week with jp he he kind of let loose that he had only seen one Malik film. And so oh, I ended no. up with uh, being able to snag the tree of life, which is one <sighs> of my favorite films ever made. Um, ever made. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. With the last pick of the draft. Oh man. It was glorious. Wow. That's so sad. Um, yeah. Badlands is a great movie. Um, I wouldn't move it up as high as brick in your watch list, but you should put it up there. I probably like it more than, um, or about the same as Blood Simple, right there with, okay. with it. Um, yeah. Did you have any any honorable mentions? What's at I all have, whatsoever? I have I have a handful of honorable mentions that yes, yeah. lay them on me, um, and then I'll I'll throw all mine out. <laughs> I'll I'll also mention some of the ones that I really wanted to pick, but they just didn't direct enough things. Um, mm-hmm. Napoleon yeah. Dynamite, really unfortunate. Jared Hess only has three movies. Couldn't oh, snag really? Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the Blair Witch Project was a one and done film for oh, the man. duo that directed Blair Such Witch Project. Such a good movie. Which I really love. Um, another, I'm, I I love horror movies, so there's a handful of horror Jared movies. Jared has, has more than three. Does he? Yeah. Oh. He has four. Oopsies. At least. Oh, great. Five. Oh wow! Yeah, I was okay. Great, I was wrong. You totally could, because I had Napoleon Dynamite. I was, I was thinking about it at one point, but I uh, didn't, mm. didn't go with it. Okay, I drafted it. Um, I'm pretty sure in a comedy draft, so I was like, oh, I don't want to draft that again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adam McKay's directorial debut, um, mm-hmm. Anchorman: The Legend of Ron Burgundy, uh, was another that was on my list. Yeah. Just That's beautiful. All. I also drafted that in that same comedy draft. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you were you were checking uh, it off on the comedies draft. Yeah. Um, another yeah. horror film, James Wan, uh, the the popular horror director. He's done 
a handful of different things. I, I was afraid. he did the Conjuring, all the Conjuring universes and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah. He most recently did, I think, Malignant was James Wan. Um, but he opens up with a, the banger of Saw, um, just a classic all-time right. horror yeah. film. Um, Monsters Inc. Uh, I don't actually know who directed Monsters Inc. I don't have that off the top of my head or in my notes. Um, but he would go on to direct a handful of the Disney Pixar films. Yeah. Monsters Inc. being the first. I'm pulling it up on the old letterbox machine. Oh, it's Pete Doctor. Pete Doctor, I love. Yeah. I love every Pete Doctor Pixar movie. But yeah. I don't know that I would have picked Monsters Inc., but it probably would have helped my. <laughs> it would have helped my. Yeah. Uh, might have snagged some people. Jeff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Maybe the Iron Giant will, will get enough people. Yeah. From the animated side. Um, Legally Blonde, another debut. I thought about oh, that yeah. one. Yeah. We watched that. For the... I watched that the other day with my wife. Yeah. I thought about yeah. snagging it for the female audience, you know? Mm-hmm, Let them mm-hmm. feel seen that we're not just a bunch of bro cinephiles. Uh, and then lastly, um, just one of the greatest films of all time, directed by Conrad Vernon, who would go on to direct. Uh, Monsters vs. Aliens, Madagascar 3, and Penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> um, he just directorial debuts out with a, the banger that is Shrek 2, the best Shrek, Shrek 2. film. Uh, <laughs> so those are some honorable mentions that I had. Uh, a lot of them were like a bit too goofy, and I decided to go the Medea route. Um, yeah. But what, what, what are some that you had? What are some yeah, that you so, would like to mention? So you, st- you started with um, ones that didn't qualify. I'll do a few of those. Um, I mentioned After Sun, Charlotte Wells' um, debut. Oh, just yeah. bumped the mess out of my mic. My bad. Um, another that is also like a single movie, uh, 2019 Sound of Metal by uh, Darius Martyr. Oh, yeah. Incredible. I loved that film. Just great film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, Joe mm. Talbot, another um, uh, 2019 film. I'm pretty sure he that's his only uh, feature. Um uh, Columbus by Koganada. Uh, he came out with uh, After Yang. Um, was that last year or two years ago? Uh, um, yes, two years ago. Yeah, After Yang was a great movie. Uh, but Columbus was an incredible movie too. Um, yeah, those none of those qualified. Oh, uh, Nightcrawler did not qualify. Oh, yes. That was another uh, one. That he only I has the that. three. Um, Dang. Yeah, great great opening film but yeah so honorable mentions that would have qualified that i didn't obviously bottle rocket um uh we just spent a whole series on wes anderson um yeah. love bottle rocket but i just figured well we just spent a whole series on him i'll um i'll get some other stuff out there um Aronof- aronofsky's pie is i haven't seen it uh, i've heard great things. it's yeah so it it actually um I think it came out the same year as following um mm. and um also like very much um a low budget black and white film but like super weird and strange and to me just like a far superior movie to following um yeah to be honest like it's just like it's weird it's a weird weird movie um but like really interesting um yeah um night of the living dead was one that i was really thinking about going with uh george a romero um yeah known uh, for you know obviously dawn of the dead day of the dead all the zombies yeah. i thought about that night one of the living dead is I actually totally familiar really, really with 
with the rest of his work. I just didn't feel mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same way. That's the only movie I've seen by him, but it's really an incredible movie. Um, yeah. We mentioned get out. Um, Sweetie Jane Campion is a really good movie debut. Um, Mm-hmm. most people probably either know her from uh, the piano or power of the dog, which came out a yeah. few years ago. Um, but sweetie is a really good movie. Um, Lupin the third, the castle of Cagliostro, uh, which was, uh, Hey, Al Miyazaki's debut feature animated yeah. film, which I really like. I think it's a fun movie. I had a um, tales from the earth. See his, his son's directorial debut. I had that one okay, on my list, yeah. but I don't think that he has enough films yeah. to qualify. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot of good uh JJ Abrams opened up with Mission Impossible Three, which is yeah. I, I really like Mission Impossible Three. Oh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I did not take oh, yeah. it. That one was on my it's list. Got the, yeah, it's but um some people might think that's a misstep, but it's a, it's also weird because it's got a, the double directors going on. Yeah, kind of hard to. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Wong Kar Wai's uh, "As Tears Go By" is a really good movie as mm-hmm. a debut. Um, how about uh, how about this? The forty-year-old virgin, Judd yeah. Apatow, swinging onto the scene with uh, Steve Carell. Um, just, just the king of comedy, yeah. right there. That man. Absolutely. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention um, one that uh, that did not qualify, which was Paranormal Activity, which I really like. Yeah, I love I um, love the Paranormal Activities. Um, yeah, uh, I wish that Bong Joon Ho's directorial debut debut was Memories of Murder, but it was in fact Barking Dogs Never Bite, which yes. is not anywhere near as good as memories of murder. Yeah. I'm not familiar um, with that one at all, but that was what yeah. I looked at. I've seen it. It's, it's fine, I guess. Yeah. Um, you can throw way back to, um, the likes of Charlie Chaplin with the kid and, uh, Buster Keaton with three ages. Um, both. Okay. Movies. Um, yeah. To start off their incredible careers. Um, Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless, which is a, a beloved film um, among cinephiles, uh, movie, really serious movie lovers. I watched it not that long ago. Um, I thought it was really good, but not my favorite. Yeah, but, I'm not very familiar yeah. with it, so I, I noted yeah. it. But I also had George Miller's Mad Max, obviously, on my list, but I'm not yeah. like huge on the first Mad Max. Neither am I. I had it there as well, yeah. but... Yeah. Eh. Anyways, sorry. And then um, the other one, the I've left this one for last. Uh, it was the other one that I was thinking of taking over Badlands, and that's mm-hmm. of course David Lynch's Eraserhead. Um, yes, that was the one that I thought you were talking about in the beginning. You said you were gotcha. saving until the end. Yeah, I I like. Uh, I think Eraserhead's a really good movie, but um, it's yeah, it's not my favorite. Um, it's super. <laughs> Have you it seen it? Special. I have not seen it, but I've heard all of the. Oh man, the it's warnings. Like, it's like a movie that is. It makes you feel so uncomfortable. Like I was like, I was like squirming in my seat the whole movie. Um, yeah. Oof. Yeah. 
Um, not a yeah. not a super Ugh. rewatchable movie. <laughs> in yeah, my no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's um, directorial debuts. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of good, and there's obviously a lot that we didn't mention. Those are just ones that yeah. I've seen. I'm just reading um, through other ones that I'm seeing that. Yeah, there's a a lot of people open out with really really good stuff. I mean, yeah, looks like The Lion King was a directorial debut. Um, yeah, mm. there's, there's some, there's some really good ones in here. 10 things I hate yeah, about I you could have scooped up the, the young, that's true. Young woman category there. That's true. I do love to, yeah, I, uh, I don't think Lion King would have, would have qualified. I wouldn't have, I just, just got glanced at it. Yeah. Yeah. Just unfortunate because obviously Lion King is great. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a movie draft. Let's, um, I'm going to read them back so that we can, uh, finalize this. Hayden, uh, took, uh, Citizen Kane, Reservoir Dogs, The Shawshank Redemption, Being John Malkovich, The Evil Dead, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and Medea's Family Reunion. Medea! Um, man, I really feel like I feel like I lost this draft after your third your third pick. Um. Anyways, uh, I, I do have a stack top three. This top oh, three, man. Yeah. Anyways, mo- <sighs> yeah, I lost this one. Um, which is fine because I still like my list. Which my Hold list is as follows: uh, Twelve Angry Men, Thief, The Iron Giant, This Is Spinal Tap, Blood Simple. Brick and Badlands. Yeah. Great drafts, though. That's all around. Yeah, all around. Good job, everyone. Um, but yeah, if you have, um, if you think we, we left some out that you feel like is blasphemous to not have in this draft, just, uh, yeah, reach out and let us know. There's going to be Uh, some comments about us missing Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. Oh yeah, um, for sure. This, this, it was number fifteen. <laughs> it was number fifteen. I promise. The Rugrats movie, um, which you know, I have like I have an itching suspicion that that's like both a debut and the end. Um, but who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's our movie draft. Uh, did you have a recommendation of the week? Um, my recommendation of this week is to uh, read some books. Um, I'm reading Killers of the Flower Moon right now. I'm also reading American Prometheus at the same time, which is Robert Opp- J. Robert Oppenheimer's biography, which is mm-hmm. a bit more intense. Killers of the Flower Moon definitely yeah. flows a little bit better, but Pulitzer Prize means something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just get your get your eyes on a page and read something that makes you think. Just go for it. Love it. It's nice to mix up your mediums, you know? Yeah. I've had my nose in the Nolan variations, which I recommended last week as a source. If you want to kind of follow along reading that as we go through this series. Um, Yeah, really. It's really good so far. I'm I'm in the third chapter, I think currently. Um, Yeah. I'm enjoying reading that. Um, And, uh, but yeah, that's not my recommendation. I was just adding on to yours. Um, I think 
you know what? I'm going to recommend something we talked about in our uh, lack of movie news section. Uh, I'm going to recommend going out and watching some Color of Money because that was a uh, that was just a s- special movie to watch. And it's funny. Um, I was uh, I was telling someone. I think I I can't remember if I texted this to our little uh, movie group text message group message that uh, that we're in. Um, I was saying that it uh Paul Newman makes like Tom Cruise look like a kid. Like obviously Tom Cruise is a kid basically in this movie, but like the the charisma of Paul Newman just like makes Tom Cruise look like, you know, he's got like half as much as he actually has as far as like charisma goes. Awesome. It's like yeah. And it's um it's really like Watching this in like hindsight of both of their careers, it's almost like watching kind of like I mentioned earlier, like Paul Newman teach Tom Cruise how to be a movie star um, because like he is sort of like a mentor figure character wise in the movie for Tom Cruise's character as far as like how to get that hustle going in your billiards mm-hmm. game. Um, but yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's almost like Paul Newman's like, I've still got it. Like, he's old in this movie. How old was he when that was made? That's what I'm curious curious about. Um, I'm going to filibuster and keep talking while I try to look it up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a really good Martin Scorsese movie. It's not my favorite Martin Scorsese, but, um, but yeah, really, really good. Uh, and like, just a fun watch, you know. Uh, so Paul Newman was born in 1925. This movie came out 1986. So he was 61. Not that yeah. old, but getting getting older. Um, and man, does he like just ooze like cool in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And he, he just makes Tom Cruise look like he's not cool at all. Which is a feat in and of itself. I do, yeah. Um, I do love yeah. watching really cool people be made to look not cool. Yeah, that's always really fun. But uh, by the end of the movie, Tom Cruise is picking up on the coolness a bit, which is good. Like I said, it's like it's like watching Paul Newman be like, "Hey, Tom, here's how you be a movie star." And then by the end of the movie, Tom is like, "Okay, I'm ready to be a movie star now." Uh, and you're that. like, "Thanks, Martin Scorsese, for." for doing that for us. Yeah. It's like a, the birth of the Tom. <laughs> the Tom. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. That was our recommendations. Um, Hayden, you want to tell the people where to follow you? Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. The... Uh, Hayden Fob. Just, just an at, it'll be in the thing. Just, yeah, mm-hmm. just maybe, yep. I don't know. Show notes. Know yeah. Eli does that. It's in there. Prep or not. I do. Uh, it's in there. I don't know if you want to really the episode description. Yeah. yeah. Come on. But you know, I'm... give me a, give me a, give me a follow. Maybe, maybe I don't know. You, you don't have to. You don't I'll want probably to. put your letterboxed in there too. Yeah. Follow me on letterbox. I watch movies sometimes, occasionally. So just. Yeah. Whatever. Follow Hayden or DM. Not. Tell me a movie that you saw. I don't know. <laughs> you literally have free will to do whatever you want. So. Just do it. Yeah, this is um, this is a free country. You know, you can follow them, or you, 
or you cannot follow them. It's does your yeah, podcast your audience extend outside of the United States? Because then it has a potential to yeah, not it does be actually. People. That's wow. true. It does. So when I look at the Spotify stats, sometimes I'm like Netherlands. Reach I'm pretty sure country, what? but yeah, yeah, they're they're free over there. I mean, like North Korea of countries that aren't that aren't very free these days. Are there? Yeah, we've kind of we've kind of done Let's that. I haven't seen North Korea on the list. Um, but you know, the, it's the the year's young, the day's young. You know, who knows? What would you do if you just like? Like the next next month's episode, like a, a BFI sight and sound, just newspaper comes out or a magazine comes out and the headline is just like Kim Jong-un finally speaks out on film and says that the establishing voice in film today is the establishing po- shot <laughs> podcast. Yeah. What would your reaction uh, be you in know, real time? Uh, real time, my reaction would be... Uh, Bad press is is still press, and even bad press is good press. So you just find out that there's know. like one radio station in North Korea, and it's just playing your podcast, just <laughs> in a long loop. loop. Yeah, keeping the people hypnotized. Uh, oh yeah, under under control. But yeah. then they can't watch yeah, the, the Netherlands that we're watching. So the Netherlands is my number two. United States, ninety five percent. This is just Spotify stats, though. Yeah. Um, it doesn't pick up. Like most of the listeners are on Apple. Um, but yeah, Spotify stats, 2% Netherlands. Wow. 95% US, 2% Netherlands. Shout out to Everyone the Netherlands. Neg- Netherlands. Whoop, whoop. If you're listening from the <laughs> Netherlands, shout out. Shout out to you. We love you. Um, Nether- only, only European c- country that I've actually been in. Uh, wow. But uh, just the airport on a, yeah. on a layover. So yeah. shout out to the Netherlands. Yeah. You know? I got to spend a night in Amsterdam. It was lovely. I love it. It was yeah. a great city. Yeah. Yep. Had a layover in Amsterdam. Loved it. Great airport. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You guys are awesome. Shout You're out. probably not actually listening, but if you are, we love you. Um, That's it. That's the podcast. We did it. That's Follow. the pod. Yeah. We look forward to uh, seeing you again next week for Memento. Um, Christopher Nolan is sort of his breakthrough uh, movie. I'd say, yeah, at number two. I would, I would say so. Yeah, so look forward to discussing that. Uh, but until then, this has been the establishing shot. And uh, for me, Eli Price and Hayden Fob, we will see you next time, and we look forward to it. Have a good one. Thank you so much for joining us on The Establishing Shot today. We hope you enjoyed the episode and got a lot out of it. Make sure before you go to like and subscribe uh, on all your podcast platforms and especially on Spotify and Apple. If you could leave a rating and review, that would greatly help the visibility of the podcast and I would greatly appreciate it. Again, if you go to establishingshotpod.com, you can find out all you need to know about the show, where to find us on the social media platforms, where to find us podcast-wise, YouTube, uh, and you can even leave a voicemail there on the website on the right side of your screen. So click that if you want to give a comment or ask a question about the show. Uh, Just feel free to leave a voicemail. We'd be happy to feature that on the show. And also, if you just want to email, 
Rather than leave a voicemail, you can email us at establishingshoppod at gmail.com and we would be happy to answer your question there or feature a question or comment on the show if it pertains to uh, the episodes. So please do that. And we would love for you to join the Establishing Shop family. You can, again, find where to do that on the donate page at establishingshoppod.com. We hope you have a great week and we look forward to seeing you again next time. We were happy here for a little while. But look, I think it was this way. Better to be king for a night than schmuck for a lifetime. (laughs) 